Let's do a show. Ooh, that was good. I finally got this right. What? I feel like this is a legitimate volume. No? Oh, hot. yeah. No, no, no. That's good. That's good. I don't know. Hot. Check the... What does the monitor say? I you know the idea. term hot, right? It's I like do. A radio but, term. But I have... Like, my hearing is terrible. I went and saw my friend's band at... Uh, Baked potato, and I couldn't. I couldn't stand by the spe- the speaker. I was like an old man in my ears. It was terrible. So what did you do? Leave? No, I just stood away from the speaker. <laughs> but I'm not just used so to you that. Know, it has nothing. That has nothing to do with age. You really shouldn't no, ever I want know. to stand. I know it right ha- in front of a very loud musician's no, speaker. No, and I've done. I've done some bad. Like I've done things that I can pinpoint and say. Yeah, that probably really affected my hearing in the long run. But, you know. That would have been my three years as a tour manager in a band. Yeah. Sound check after sound check with no earplugs yeah, in and you live thought, music every night. Why, five, five, six nights a week. It was why didn't so you wear stupid. earplugs? Why didn't you wear earplugs? Welcome to Hollywood Anonymous. I am Brian Irwin. I'm John Huck. Why didn't you wear earplugs? Because, you know, I, dude, I was young and I didn't give tough. a shit. I thought, thought, I thought that's what you do. Like, I, literally, I think if in my mind, it, you can I was it. thinking to myself... Why? No, that's not cool. Like you, I wouldn't God have been cool. It. How long are you going to play that song? Oh, sorry. You just like, play I, it until I go know, insane. Yeah, I thought you loved that song. Was I wrong? Was it the yeah. exact opposite? No, but I just listened to it in the car on the way over. So, um, that's okay. All. So there's something I gotta I gotta tell you. Um, so this happened again to me on Facebook today, and I, I find it funny because I've had this conversation with my parents before. But oh, <laughs> I I have a tendency to exaggerate my life a little bit, as we all do as comedians. But my fucking parents, no matter how many times I tell them that there is exaggerations, they feel the need to always comment the positive or the truth in whatever my lie is. And this morning, they did it again. Like, I just made fun of myself. Like, I'm not successful, whatever. It's like, blah, blah, blah. I found it. Brian, you have two beautiful children and your wife makes it. No, I didn't read it. I'm completely guessing, actually. But it's like, they're trying to tell you. Yes. Do they think you're on Facebook? Like, I want to kill myself. That's what I feel. I'm like, seriously, do you seriously think I'm like. First off, I'm not part of this generation where when I feel sad or emojied that I actually go online nah, don't and, and, and share it with people. I'm right. part of an older contingent where when I feel bad inside... You push that down and you I, pour I, booze I, on right, it. That's right. I stay away from everyone. <laughs> Maybe snap at the fam. Dude, you know, of course. Yeah, you stay, you stay away from everyone uh, else and you fucking go crazy on the people that you're closest to. Yeah. Shut up. Leave me alone. You have no idea. What did I do? So yeah, so my parents did the classic, you know, left the comment like, you're a good man. <laughs> You're, you got, you've raised good children. You've worked very hard, and this is dad. Like, <laughs> they dad. always, they always do a signature too. It's like, no, no, your your name is on the. Yeah, actual. we see your picture right yeah. next to your comment. We know who you are. <laughs> I just think, I, I mean, I get your your parents are on there because you're you because I, I put them on there. You put them on there and pictures <laughs> That's of, why. pictures of your kids, and they're keeping up with the other family members, and I can see why. They're enjoying it, but I, I can't. My mom is not allowed. She can have an Insta. She has an Instagram account, but she's not allowed. You can't control whether your mother has a uh, Facebook account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, do? Yeah, sure. You just go. No, you don't want to be on there, mom. She goes. Why? Well, I go. Just the things I say and stuff. She's like, okay, that's and, enough for her. Yeah, she doesn't care. And she started. She got. She started a Facebook account to find. She got put in charge of finding people for her class reunion. My mom is seventy, so she got put in charge of finding people for her class reunion. Well, Facebook is the place to well, be doing that. So she can't find their email. She can't get phone numbers from people. So she's like, "Oh, I'll start a Facebook account." Everyone's on Facebook, and as she's slowly finding these people, she's like, "It's very difficult." They're like, "Everything's private," you know what I mean? And she's like, "Oh." They don't want to be found. She just deleted her account. And was like, "Yeah, they, these people don't." If 
it should be easy to find someone nowadays. I should be able to type their name into a fucking Google and find out what they're doing. Uh, well, you know what we'll do? Well, let's bring our guest in, Jay Larson. Hello, okay. Jay. Hey, guys. Hey, Jay. I, 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 uh, I, here's, here's my opinion on this, and Jay, you can chime in Well, I was going to well, give but... Jay a little better intro than let's bring our guest in, Jay Larson. I was going to say. Right, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say. I got to say, what, this what, is going great. Yeah, what was this my. Is... Blah, 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 well, that's just, not what I you, said. You I did brought, not say that. <laughs> you brought him in first so off. First off, I said, let's bring Jay in, Jay Larson. I said his name. Yes, right. Let me ask a question. Yeah. Do your parents share a Facebook page? Well, yeah, they have to. All right, so that's why they say this is dad or this is mom, so you know who it is. Uh, yeah, fair enough. But I still, I, I would, to me, they're the same person. Am now. I doing the same thing your parents did just there? I'm like taking away. Just <laughs> Brian, like, you're very, no, no. Brian, you're very rich. No, you are correct. With a lovely the, home, Brian. The Facebook page does say Jack and Edie Irwin. Like, so it is both of them. Because I, I mean, come on, I could. Could you imagine me giving my parents each their own individual account? How well, fucked up would that be? That'd be great they're if they were 80s, talking to each other. Claire, let should clarify. Your mom's, my parents, are in their eighties. So right. I, I don't want to give them too many hoops to jump through. Yeah. Like, I, it's just Facebook 80s. is oh my god to me like just get like they're actually pretty savvy but yeah my mom loves Instagram she like she just pictures and it's like oh look my brother posts pictures of him and his wife like, oh, I like that you know what I mean it's like very simple but my mother doesn't use her cell phone yeah well, she, she has a cell phone my mom does has she have it. a flip phone does she have a smartphone I think like, she has like, a flip phone okay but she I mean I don't I don't know her cell number I wouldn't I don't she won't give it out I'm sure she's she never answered it. She doesn't, she doesn't know it, answer. probably. Yeah. Oh, is this a former? Yeah, I don't think it's like a private. Phone. I don't know what it <laughs> she is. She doesn't man. give it out, even to her son. She's like, Jay, I'm kind it's, of a private person. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> but she's on Facebook, and my brother lives in London. He just came home to Boston, and he'd been posting. And my, my mother commented on one of his posts, a professional post, call me, please. <laughs> oh, my God. With like three exclamation points. Like for, so he's posting for business and what he does, and then she's yeah, going and personal, his, you know. Yeah. But you know, he owns his own business, so it's kind of both falls Call on the same please. thing. Call me, please. I see that you've been this, home long enough. This is mom. <laughs> this is mom. Do you want to do your professional introduction now? No, 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 no. You uh, mocked me. I so <laughs> go ahead and introduce him. Now. I was going to say Jay Larson, comedian, TV show host. Right? You still do the bar thing. <laughs> Look at him. I like how he tries to be professional and then he fucks it up two seconds. No, and, what happens? Uh, you get a little convoluted. And I was going to say um, uh, co-host of uh, the Crab Feast, which is a very... One of the more popular uh, yeah. podcasts. Fun podcast. Fun podcast. <clears throat> In the yeah. world. You guys started early and and did it right, I think. How long have you been Thanks, doing man. that now? Two and a half, three years, Oh, that's maybe? it? That's yeah. it? But Rye was doing it with full charge before that. You know what I mean? They had been doing it before. I don't know why I think uh, wow. it seemed like 10 years. Yeah, I feel like it was... I mean, of course not, but yeah. No, but just, I do. I feel like it was because I... It's just very popular. <laughs> <laughs> so it feels like it's been around a lot longer. How many episodes have be? you guys done? I think we're at 170 right now with me and Rye, you know? Has it ever gotten to the point where you're like, I just, uh, podcast, man. I mean, because that's a lot of podcasts, right? I mean, that's two yeah. and a half years, 170 episodes. Um, do you ever get? Have you ever been burnt out, or do you actually? We enjoy get burnt it? out because we. What we'll do is we'll stack a bunch of episodes. So like right now, we're already recorded through the end of the year. You know what I mean? Oh really? Yeah, because I had a I had a baby, so we recorded like we pre-recorded I think eighteen episodes. So then you get a little burnt out because you're doing four a week. You know what I mean? But. No, nah, man, it's great because we get new guests on with great stories, and then we get to hear amazing things, and we love seeing how our fans respond to it. So, nice. Congratulations on having a kid, by the way. Thank you. More yeah, than one. Just, More just than one. He's he's multi breeding. Oh yeah. Now we're done. Yeah, we're two and done. Uh, how old's the first one? Twenty months. Oh wow! So you were just like, let's. Yeah. Now, when you do say you're done, 
That's just a conversation. You've been fixed. She got fixed. Did she no, get fixed in we there? no. We've committed that we're done. So she's going back back on birth control. But we're gonna figure it out. What are you I know do? you want me to have a vasectomy. I, I don't, don't want we you to really do anything. About it. But <laughs> I think like, like he just assumes. I'm promoting not promoting it. <laughs> well, no, actually, I would promote. You gave me a pamphlet when I walked in. Bro. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> It's actually pretty yeah, easy. He has an on-call doctor. He'll show up. I will tell bucks. you, if you do do it, just so you know, it's yeah. the only thing. You do get a week off. Oh, yeah? Yeah. From what, dude? I'm already a week off. No, you don't have to take care of the kids. You don't do anything. You get waited on for a week. You're not really supposed to be moving around a lot. You're That's supposed not to ice your balls. Happen, no. All right, yeah, then don't yeah, get yeah. it. <laughs> then make well, her no, do we the invasive surgery or just stay on the pill and destroy your body. What, your choice. Your well, choice. You know what's funny is when we were... Destroy your body. When we were having the baby... It was our last checkup before we had the baby, and we say to the doctor, we're like, hey, you know, it's a C-section, so we want to talk about, you know, doing a uh, tubes tied while you're in there. And my doctor, who's a bit of a clown, goes, he goes, no, 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 no. And my wife goes, what do you mean? He's like, no, I mean, what? It's, let's say five years from now you meet the other man, you want to have his baby. I don't. No, no. She goes, he goes, how long is this going to last with him? I mean, come on. And he goes, I give you IUD, you have sex with whoever you want. I'm sitting right there. I'm like, are you out of your goddamn mind, dude? That's funny, though. That's yeah. funny that he's oh, like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not tying these two. He said, no. He's like, it's stupid. Don't do Why? it. Why? Because he's just like, it's too permanent. He goes, you got to go back in there if you want to change it. He goes, just the, 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 the. Well, That's, like, yeah. Right, well, whatever. So you'll get your balls done. Yeah. Or I'll just fucking start nutting on her chest, bro. Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. dude. Fucking pound America. Oh, my God. If you could see the high fives going on in here. All over the place. Fucking insane. All over. Every single teasing, Packer gnome is touching teasing. each other right now. Every Packer gnome. <laughs> just oh, oh, my God. I try to keep them out of your eye new? line. Is that new? No, but I try oh. to keep... You don't look that way, so I, I always... I, That's dude, like the least football thing there is. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Have, you seen the, have you seen the new McDonald's Somebody stole one of them from my house. I was fucking pissed. From inside your house? No, no, no. That would be a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> no. Then I'd be psycho. really. Pissed. That's my. That's my play. That's a strong move. Uh, did you see the McDonald's commercial where Ditka puts on a Packers sweater? Yeah, first yeah, off, what's that first all off about? can I be clear? That was I don't one know, but worst... I want to burn Ditka, okay. the Packers, and McDonald's to the ground. Here's the thing. I, just from, from a creative standpoint, that was one of the worst commercials I've ever seen. Because first off, he goes into his own closet where you clearly can see there's a Packer sweater in there. He looks at it confused. Well, it's like, you know, it just well, drives me fucking He's a solid bald. actor, so I don't know how he couldn't sell that better. He was in Kicking and Screaming, okay, first off. And again, solid, solid stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was really weird. I didn't... Ugh. Are you from Boston proper? No. Whereabouts in Massachusetts are you from? Stone of Mass, which is 15 minutes north of Boston, down 93. Would you consider you yourself a city kid, or were you a suburban kid growing suburban up? Suburban kid. Are you saying stoner? Stoner? Stoneham. Stoneham. We say Stoneham, but it's Stoneham. Okay, but that's how, that's so how it's spelled. So it was like this. We grew up 15 minutes outside of the city. My mom worked in the city, so we were always in Boston. So you like, did go to the city a lot? All the time. Okay. okay. All the time. To the point, like, in fifth grade... I was my orthodontist was in there because we didn't have much money, so we went to like Tufts University is a college there, and they have an orthodontia program. So we had grad students doing our teeth, you know. Nice. But so like For better or worse? I mean, we got them done, see, but they were teeth. cheap. I pretty nice teeth. Yeah, that's good. But um, but what would happen is my aunt Rue would pick us up from school, and like we'd leave, she'd drop us at the T. We'd take the train into Boston. This is How fifth grade, fifth oh. grade. So okay, with my brother who was uh. He was seventh grade, so we'd roll in together, go in, get our teeth done, come back, and then she'd pick us back up and then drop us back at school. And she'd always bring like this the dope ass chicken sandwich. It was still warm, and it was just white bread with mayonnaise and chicken. She would just do in a pan, 
but my teeth are all tightened, you know, because they tighten uh, your teeth, and you're just like, this sandwich is so fucking, it's still warm, and you're trying to bite it, and it's like your teeth are uh, killing, uh, <laughs> but you just did it anyway because you felt so, I mean, yeah, so we'd be in Boston a lot as kids. My brother took art lessons in town. We were we were in there probably like I don't know every other weekend at least. And and but but a lot of times you guys would just train it in by ourselves without yeah. Parent and P.S. Tufts was in the red light district, so we'd get off the train. And I remember seeing like dudes running up to women with money. I'd be like, and they're like, no, over there, over there. Like, yeah, that's it. Was the best, man. We had like a lot of freedom. Now let me ask you something. So now that you have kids, could you imagine your kids? No, no. I, but here's the thing, though. But is it like is are we I don't just know are yet. we just fucked up in the head that we that that we've been told that the world is more dangerous, or is it more dangerous that you I, would let your kid take a train somewhere in fifth or seventh grade? What I think is, I think because of the internet and how much um, information is shared so quickly now that you know of a lot of stuff that people maybe didn't know about before, and people have access to stuff they didn't have to there. That doesn't even make sense. But, well, but I had back then. Like, we're being inundated with so much information. Like, you you as a parent now, it's just, you know so much more. Your parents before were like, I don't want, like, your Aunt Rue didn't want to drive you all the way into the city so she could drop you with the train. You're competent kids. You get them, get around. You're not idiots. Were you Figured competent out. kids? Yeah, we were very, uh, I mean. I, there's no way they could go in and go to the city like that in fifth and seventh, because I know fifth and seventh graders could walk in a circle with their thumbs in their ass. They have no well, idea what Did you doing. ever did you, fuck off and miss the train and become late and they ever freaked out? That, no, that, that situation never happened. No, but you know what else I've heard? I've heard, like, on the news that there was, like, uh, two kids walking home from school and like people saw them and called the cops and like was like you can't be like there are certain towns that will, uh, won't even let kids yes. leave, like on their own like yeah. that's a scary proposition that that's going on yeah. you know what I mean it's, it's the, just like the uh, opposite of the other which is anarchy and murder right I also but what I was saying what I meant about the internet giving people accessibility to things I think people that maybe 30 years ago wouldn't be trying to kidnap a kid and molest them now has so much access to stuff on the internet that it's like they probably didn't even know that they were capable of that now they're like oh shit I can just do this I don't know does that sound wrong no I mean I look I Listen, think man, so, the I, internet, I so, so the internet is inspiring people to, to see what they can do Not I mean, both good and bad I think so It look I mean that's it's the same argument like are video games creating violent children no. it's like it's, I'm gonna end it, that argument you the can, answer's no you can, I'm gonna disagree with you really yeah did you remember as a kid watching a commercial and seeing people shot and killed, even if they're cartoons, even television, even regular television, net, uh, cable or network television, you can see people shot dead. Perfect example, Goodfellas. Great movie, right? Of yeah. course. When you watch it on cable, they blurt out all of the swears. But when they, that gang comes in that bar and they shut the door and they beat the shit out of everyone, yeah. they don't bleep out anything. I mean, come on, man. This, you don't think the idea of like seeing someone able to just beat down and then to turn cartoon characters into killing other people like you see in a commercial is a it changes your brain a little bit i'm not saying it's responsible for mass shootings in our country it by any means it desensitizes we are way desensitized i mean yeah. i don't way. disagree with that but i also think as a parent and you know we're getting way off topic but i will just say as is a, parent, a comedy though, podcast <laughs> no but as a parent <laughs> yeah i do think a lot of that comes from within the home and making sure that you're very clear about now i will tell you one thing i do get pissed off i watch a lot of football in this house a lot of sports watch playoffs and baseball 
watch a lot of football. And I, I believe that the advertising is extremely inappropriate. It's extremely violent. It's extremely sexual. Yeah. And I think it's over the top, which I think is funny because, you know, the big nipple fucking reveal, which didn't even reveal a nipple, no, yeah, is the- still being talked about to this day that we're, we're afraid of women's breasts, yeah. but we're not afraid of watching someone basically get their head fucking blown off in a video game commercial. 100% get it. Yeah. You know, I not mean, yeah. so it's like, it's just, to me, but, but I also know that it exists and I and I just have to deal with it. I have to meet it head on because I'm not going to be able to change it. Yeah. It is what it is, and it's been in the culture <clears throat> for well over a decade now. So, but my kids are just—I make sure that my kids understand the fucking difference between that shit and the real world. All and how I know they is I was at a park with my son two weekends ago, and he shot someone. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and there was some <laughs> dad there months. with his wife and his like. 10 or 11 year old and the, he got one of those like wavy skateboards you know the ones that move back yeah, and forth yeah. and they were learning how to skate and the kid was trying it and then the dad would try it and then the kid goes to dad he's like hey can I get a gun and his dad's like what he goes let me buy a gun he's like Shh. and they just like dropped it like they laughed it off and I was just like that's unbelievable that's unbelievable this kid's asking for a gun I mean that just kind of was like oh that freaks me out a little bit. That I'm not saying people don't out. have the right to have a gun. I'm just saying you know the whole world's fucked, man. But yeah, Brian, well, can't go fasc- anywhere. We, have, we have more of a fascination with violence. There is no doubt about it that I think the world is becoming more and more fascinated with the concept of violence. And for every parent like you that talks to their kids and makes sure that their kids understand what's going on, and there's ten that don't. There's ten that are just like I can leave my kid at home. He can play video games. He doesn't get in any trouble at all yeah. until the area that he's playing the video games in isn't enough and he wants to get out and then the video game doesn't go with him and then he's like well i can just do this and then i mean there's there's a lot of let me just say this i was with my son he's 20 months so this is like three months ago and i'm trying to do something he's annoying the shit out of me and i'm getting frustrated and something happened and i went over and i kicked the kicked the dryer you know what i mean to let out some frustration sure yeah you know what he did? Three seconds later, kick the dryer. He went over there and started kicking the dryer. Like, sure, and I was just like, "Oh my god!" You know, that's a, that's that's a scary part. <sighs> I I think that, and it goes back to my initial argument, which is you and I mm-hmm. are are more impressionable than that violent video game yeah, that's on, sure. on the that's TV. A great point. They will watch how we behave towards stuff, and, and especially now that my kids are older, I try I have to watch it because I, I you know listen, man, fucking raising kids, holy shit, it's full time. It is, and it's frustrating as shit sometimes yeah. because they're still learning. And they, 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 part of the part of learning is to push buttons. You still do it, so you. <laughs> so I mean, it's just some people never get over it, and yeah. you know, it's just sometimes you just do want to go kick yeah. something, an inanimate object, and teach it a lesson. You know what I mean? But yeah. you've got to remember they're watching you, or when you're yeah. in the car and you're pounding on the steering wheel, yeah, you're pissed off. That's I think you have to really watch it. That's where I, I think if I was a father, that's where I would have to be like the, the car thing. Okay, no, uh, it's cool. People can just. No big deal. Because I just go fucking nuts in traffic, and it's really hard for me to not drive around without at least smoking a little pot. What was your, your family life growing up? I, I forget. Uh, parents together, parents not together? No, not like, together. No. Okay. Youngest of four. Okay. So I have an older brother and two older sisters. Folks split when I was two. Okay. And then my dad was kind of not really involved that much. You know, we'd see him once in a while. He'd take us bowling into McDonald's, or I'd go to. The, he worked in an antique store, so I go to the antique store with him. But I'm pretty sure the last time we saw each other was in fifth grade. Oh wow! Okay, so it was the last time like I actually like did anything with him, and then I saw him again when I was 34, and then he died this year. 
Oh man! So did you was it was, did you feel something or was it weird because you were like you no know, I felt something I went I went home and stuff and I saw his wife and I like hung out and I went to his apartment and a bunch of stuff like that but just kind of to, to close the chapter for myself you okay. know what I mean yeah. trying to get some answers and stuff like that but uh, yeah so anyway that's that's all different but growing up it was just the so the who four was of your us. who were you, who was your mentor who was like you know who was your your father figure if you will if it wasn't I, him was, did you have was, did no. you have somebody like oh well, you looked up to your older brother did your older brother yeah. no or were you, you no were like you were two, just like I swear to God. <laughs> my family's really weird. What happened, I think what happened, something happened. Like, my oldest sister, she was eight when my parents split, or ten, and so she had her own shit she was dealing with. Then it was my other sister, and she had her stuff she was dealing with. She, who, the oldest, oldest was ten years oldish? Was ten when I was two. I think okay. she's eight years older than me. Okay. Everyone had their own thing. It's kind of was like every man survives on their own. Nobody, like... It wasn't you didn't, like you didn't come together. No, okay. we didn't come together. It okay. wasn't like, hey, look, look after your younger brother. Or yeah. okay. it was like huh. I honestly remember. I think I became a comedian because I was always trying to make my mom laugh, and I was trying to make everyone happy. And I remember like walking around. Our house was a little royal tannenbaumy. Like my mother was super artistic. Everybody was artistic. And there were four bedrooms, living room, dining room, fireplace. It was like there were antiques and stuff. So it had that royal. T- I just remember being like seven. With no homework, just walking around the different rooms to see who's doing what. And then like, hey, what are you doing in here? I'm like, all right, I'll go see what Kristen's doing. She's like, get out of here. I get kicked out of that room and that room. And then like my mom would still be at the dinner table, so I'd sit there and try and make her laugh. And dude, like I was like a night owl, you know, like seventh grade, I'd be staying up watching L.A. Uh, Law. You know Arsenio what I mean? Arsenio Hall. He's fucking crushing Arsenio. <laughs> no, Carson. I would hide behind a chair while my mom watched Carson and stuff. So were yeah. you a mama's boy? I mean, I was tight with my mom, you yeah, were. for sure. Like, okay. I, I was always like, I got to like look out for my mom because okay. it was like, I mean, fifth grade, I would take like paper root money and buy buy glasses for the house. I'm like, yeah, we need new glasses. You know what I mean? Nana, That's how you were thinking. Nana broke a couple glasses. I think I should buy some more glasses. Yeah, that was just my mo. I kind of like was like, oh, I'm the man of the house. Like the the, like, the the dining room door broke. I'm like, I got it. Let me get my tools out. And I couldn't. I fucking I broke it. <laughs> I made it to, worse. Now there's just a big hole there. So, and, yeah, and put the not door even back. a wall. I took a wall. Down. You're like you don't need it. The uh, in your neighborhood, a lot of kids your age. Like was it was it kind of that thing where you had the school friends that lived in your neighborhood, so you had a lot of friends to hang out with, or was it very spread out? Like we what was had your... uh, on my street, Tony Lemay lived across the street. The bad seed who moved to our town from Malden. There's always somebody. Yeah, that parents had shady money. Oh. And then my buddy Rye Young lived like four streets down, and then Dave DeGeorge lived like in an in our neighborhood but that's who we'd hang out with after school and like so I'd get home from school my mom would still be working so my nana or my nana's sister Auntie Rue or Auntie Gert would be at the house. Somebody would always be as an adult. Yeah, you were never a latchkey. I was latchkey. Like I always had a key. You know what I mean? I could let, or I would try to jam a stick in and do it, or break through the roof. <laughs> yeah. I would come through the kitchen window what kid over the has sink. Has not had to break into their own house. Did you break into your own house? Oh yeah, yeah I loved it. The yeah. over the, the the sink over the the window over the sink was the one because there was no lock on it, but you had to. There was also a stairwell underneath that window, so you had to climb over the stairwell, get a leg on the the railing. Then a leg on the shelf of the the of the uh, house, push the window up, then grab the windowsill, then get the screen up, get all the shit that's on the sill off, then climb over the sink and in, which was no big deal, but that's how we would it was do the process, it. yeah. Um, so there was usually someone home, and then I would just go out and play. And I was always the kid that, like, I'd be playing at John's house, and John's mother would come to the window and be like, Jason, your grandmother's on the phone. She said you got to go home. Because I would just stay out and play in <clears throat> sports from the second I got home till I had to be home for dinner. Yeah, and you, so, sports? so sports, you said you were oh, a big sports kid yeah. growing up. So you, and you played organized sports, though, very young. Yeah, soccer and baseball, like, at five. My mom was like, 
what can I get these kids in to oh, get them out yeah. of the oh, fucking so house? All, all of you guys did organized sports? Everyone just, had to okay. play sports. Everyone had to play an instrument. Everyone had to do Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. I played drums. Okay. My brother played trumpet. My sister played violin. My other sister played piano. Both my sisters sang. How many so albums? No family did, band, huh? How many albums did you guys release? <laughs> you didn't do the Larson got, bus with the. No, you know what it is? My mom is like, still to this day, sings in a choir and plays organ in our church. My mother only listened to classical music. So growing up, it was only classical music in my house. She would make an exception for the Beatles, but she wouldn't play Beatles. You could. You be were like, allowed to play. You'd be like, Beatles. "Hey, mom, into the Beatles." She's like, "Oh, I remember seeing them." You know. Wow. So, were you considered? Did you have a drum set? My dad gave me a drum set when so I was like were, in third grade, but it was like like the like paper. Uh, you know what I mean? Okay. So I sucked at drums, man. Okay. You know, so I you didn't want to do play it. Or? No. Well, so you didn't I sit sucked. and play drums for like hours in the basement? No, okay. fuck no. I couldn't get... I, you couldn't put me in, a, in the kit. I would play like snare and bass <laughs> in the marching band. Okay. I played all through high school, and I play, you know, tri-toms and shit like that. I wasn't... There was no, no one was encouraging me like, "Hey man, check out Led Zeppelin or right. check out John Bonham." <laughs> yeah, which yeah. is what your which in like was what, what your you older need. brother should have been doing. Like, yeah, like hey, hey man, his only brother was only two years older than him. That's though. true, but still, like, as, no, he had music. I, and I was stuff. only two years. I'm only was. I am only two years older than my brother, and uh, I mean, I, I everything that I came my way, I was like, "Dude, you got to hear this." Like, you know, there's there's I guess it depends on what what kind of relationship you have with your brother. I mean, obviously, yeah, I think I there know. was something with my bro too because he's gay. And I think probably when not you st- out back then, no, nah, he wasn't out. He no. came out in college. But I think during that time, he was probably trying to figure out what the fuck was going on with him. Yeah. And there's no dad around. What yeah. the fuck you think he wants this little shit? Be like, hey, you know, like, yeah. yeah, you know, it's just weird. Like, I I asked my brother for years as an adult for years to be best friends with me. I'm like, can't we just be best friends? Like, why can't we like talk every day? Why can't we do things together? Like, he's like, that's just not who I am. Like, I. For years. And then we fought. We got a huge fight. My mom fell and broke her back. And my brother was taking care of my aunt. And he and I got in a fucking huge fight. And then I just realized, I'm like, ah, guess I'm just going to have to do what he wants. (laughs) And now we're we're as close as I'll ever be. Like, he won't ever call me on the phone. But when when he's in town, he shuts everything down to spend time with me. That's just who he is. He's just like, I'm never going to be the guy that's going to call you and want to chat. You know, he's never going to FaceTime me and be like, hey, what are you up to? It's just not going to happen. So I'm just like, oh, all right. I'll just play his way. He was just in town though, right? Yeah, he was. And it was great. It was great having him, you know? And like I said, like he'll come out and he's just like, I'm here. Does he stay with you or is he a hotel guy and just visits, uh, comes and goes? He Airbnb. Airbnb He can't stay at our house right now. I mean, we got our baby lives in the freaking breakfast nook, bro. (laughs) (laughs) She does. Ah, married child life. So you uh, um, soccer, yeah. You were we we talked off air, but but but, but, but sounds like baseball was really your thing. Yeah, more than soccer. Jam. I love soccer. I mean, I love them both. Understand too. But soccer back. Not that you're like that old, but it just seems like soccer only over the like the last ten years has really taken off. Since well, the World Cup came here that that ninety four, bro. Yeah, yeah. 94. I dressed up as the mascot at a mall. <laughs> really? Yeah, for a hundred bucks. Um, as a like a hundred dollar bet, or as <laughs> you're getting paid a hundred dollars. I got paid. I think oh. I got paid fifty bucks. To let kids shoot on me. Oh, no, nice. you know what? The the year that my my class, I graduated class in 94 high school. So that group of kids, we were the first kids to have soccer from five years old on. Right. right. So, well, like, yeah, that was okay. the first year yeah. soccer came in. And our high school coach, he started the league to get it going. And our high school team sucked. So when I was a freshman, we were horrible. And then my sophomore year, we won, um, we won three games. Then my junior year, we won nine or eight, and then nine. So we had we were above five hundred junior and senior year, and then I left, and they've 
in in the time I've been gone, they've won like seven state titles. Really? Wow. You know so what they, I mean? They're in so now it's like a soccer town. It used to be a football and baseball. We were a crazy baseball town. Like okay. our baseball team was sick. Yeah. So so in Massachusetts, what was the number one sport when you with you growing up? Like, well, what I mean, matters the most? Huge. So it Mass. is hockey. Well, hockey's huge. You didn't play hockey? No. No. But hockey's Single an mom, expensive dude. sport oh, to play though. Too. Yeah. That's that's, that's a that's rich kid sport. Yeah. So remove hockey from it because it's a rich. So what would be the next like? What's the blue collar sport that like? Well, baseball is pretty big, but you're not like turning up pro baseball but you know how many pro hockey players or like let I me mean, look at the hockey schools in massachusetts yeah bu bc harvard and northeastern that's the bean pot every year they have that tournament and then unh is always ranked u maine's always ranked like there and then your neck of the woods you know with minnesota yeah wisconsin, and chicago wisconsin that's the other part of where like big hockey comes from but you know um, I think lacrosse is a little big in the richer towns. Baseball's, you know. Yeah, lacrosse is very East Coast because that, that didn't exist. I never saw lacrosse before when I was growing no, up. No, we didn't have it at our school. But, you know, down, I think it's more yeah. like Maryland, D.C. Yeah. That's where lacrosse is like, you know. No football for you was the reason. You just football did not. You got a, fo- you got a mom, dude. You're not, no one's, no moms, moms being like, you should play football. You know what <laughs> I mean? That's just not happening. But soccer was like, oh, you can go and you it's run around. Ball it wears you the fuck out. Yeah. yeah where man. did you go to college? New Hampshire, St. Anselm, small little And you were telling school. me that you played baseball there. I did, yeah. So you what played, po- what uh, position? I played outfield and outfield. I pitched. Oh, nice. Now, was that the reason out- why you chose that place? So you could Fuck continue to no, play baseball? Dude. I no, didn't, okay. I didn't. I wasn't even going to go to college. I had a friend, Jen Liu, who's a dear friend of mine. She's a doctor now. She came to my house yeah, one right. day and was like, brought over like the manila envelopes, all the applications, the stamps, why? this. And she's like, She's like, you need to go to college. Like, you need to fill out these applications, and you need to go to college. This is what you need to do. And we sat there, and I was like, okay. And we, you know, we did all that. So no one else would have gone, hey, man. I went and looked at a couple schools with my mom, but, like, I just got to go, you know, you get lost a little bit where you're like, I don't give a shit. I just was always like, I don't care. I still don't. This is who I am. This is, like, something that people get offended by me, I think. I've never been passionate. I'm passionate about life, but I'm not passionate about things. Like, I'm a huge Red Sox fan. I'm a huge Celtics fan and a Pats fan. I know who's the seventh guy coming off the bench for the Seas because I check the box score every day. Do you know how many Celtics hats or shirts I've ever bought? Zero. Same with the Reds. I just don't. That's just not. That's not your thing. I'm never waiting in line to go see a band. I won't go see. I just just not who I am. You know what I mean? But I'd love to build a table in my backyard in the fall drinking hot cider with a little fire going with wood scraps. <laughs> Passionate about that, bro. When, speaking of passion, so when did you actually? So you were talking about like when did you did you do any theater? Did you what was that? What was it that got you into the entertainment business? What was the one thing? Was it something on That's television? Right, was it? Where. Well, you know, you know what it was. So like, I never thought I was always the funny guy growing up. Like I would, I did a Johnny Carson impression in second grade. I had a teacher in second, <laughs> Johnny Larson, bro. <laughs> Is that what you used to call yourself? Johnny, no, when I did this. <laughs> Johnny Larson. That's funny. With Huck John. <laughs> and then, uh, no, and I remember I just did that one time. And then, you know, my mother worked. So my mother worked at Boston Ballet. So, like, that's, like, the big ballet company in what Boston. She, what did she do there? She was in, in administration. <clears throat> nice. So, like, when my parents divorced, my mom wasn't working. They were both music majors in college, so okay. they were both musicians. My dad taught trumpet and then was, like, ran my dad, grandfather's bakery, like, helped do that. Then got tired of trumpet, so he was just doing the bakery and didn't want to do the bakery. He wanted to do antiques. Drove my grandfather's bakery into the ground and then Jeez. just started doing antiques. And then by this time, they were divorced, 
And then my mom had to go find a job. So she was like teaching piano. And then she got a job at Boston Ballet sewing costumes. My mom was like really good at sewing and stuff like that. And then she got an administrative position and then like just worked in administration. So we were around like theater. My mom would take us to the symphony all the time. We would go to museums. My brother would take art lessons at the museum. My brother's an artist. He's super talented. So we were around all that crap all the time. <laughs> all that crap all the time. <laughs> but like, I understand what he's but saying. It he cultured it in the, a nice way. Yeah, but it cultured the shit out of crazy you. Crazy cultured us, man. So we're sitting there wearing hand-me-downs. My mom was on food stamps for a little while. We didn't have any money, but like we're crazy cultured. So like, people in L.A., this I'll bring it all back, but like, for me, like coming to LA, people kind of don't know what I'm all about because, like, I'm really cultured, but I'll have like a Boston accent and I can sit there and talk about the Pats, and they're just like, oh, this, I, this he's one that kid, guy, he's Barstool guy. Who is he? Yeah, like the, this one guy I did a movie with, he's like, we, we started hanging out and becoming buds afterwards, and we were playing tennis like three weeks ago, and we started talking about like growing up, and he's like, oh, dude, I. I thought you like grew up rich, and I go, why? He goes, I don't know. You just seem like really refined. I'm like, dude, we were not <laughs> even close. But my mom was super into like the arts and culture, and you put your forks on the left side and smallest to the biggest, and you. So you wore hand-me-down ascots, manners. <laughs> yeah, no, my nana would make my clothes. Okay, she did, which crushed it. God rest her soul. <laughs> um, but so like everyone was in the arts, and I was just always funny, and I just never thought that that was a way that you could make a living. Okay. I, you just saw, <clears throat> like I wasn't. My mom took us to see Cosby when I was ten. Okay. So I saw Bill Cosby at this outdoor amphitheater in in Massachusetts called Great Woods when I was ten. Great Woods, Mass. No, the the venue was called Great Woods. It was like um, I, Norton, Mass, or something. Okay. But then the next time I saw stand-up live was I was 21 and saw Chris Rock. Okay. And then the next time I saw stand-up live was when I did it. So I'd seen it, it twice in my life. It would have been awesome. I'd never seen live stand-up, though. <clears throat> I mean, until I think I just went to like a club when I was interested okay, in yeah. doing stand-up. So you, the fact that you even saw well, live stand-up is... Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah. But, and, and, and somebody like Cosby who... Well, now now we know what we know, but back, but back, then, then, but back then it was then, like, yeah. holy shit, that guy oh, yeah. killed it every time. He could control the room. And I remember... You, an amphitheater, yeah. An amphitheater. I remember riding home and being like buzzing. My head was like buzzing, and I was like watching cartoons in my head of the stories I just heard. You know so what I mean? You knew, so it had a different impact on you. You didn't just leave and go, that was entertaining. It was something had set in with you yeah. right there. You were, I was always good at... Like, I could hold the room down, even, like, at a really young age, and I've always been good with people. Like, I could read people and, like, know what I could get away with. Like, second grade, we have one teacher, me and Gerard Lehman, would tell jokes to her every day. Like, we'd find, like, book jokes and tell her. And, like, I just never thought anything of it. The the Finally, when I decided I was going to move to L.A., it was, like, my junior year of college going into senior year and like I had missed I did five years so all my high school buddies were already going and were graduated and that whole summer we would like be drinking going to pool halls and I started taking notes like everywhere I could about this movie I wanted to write called Alma's Delights and the Songs of Experience <laughs> no big deal great title <laughs> so basically I wrote the script at what happened was like the way I got into stand up was I wrote the script I started improv I was doing acting and then people suggest that I try stand-up. And I was like, oh, you should, like, you know, figure it out. Because so, you're crushing at the tables at... I was waiting tables, and I was fucking crushing it. <clears throat> and you're... you're uh... But when you... Le- Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Just taking a step back for a second. When you, when you said, I'm out of here, like, yeah. everybody always has that moment where, like, all right, everybody that I've known forever, yeah, I'm, I'm moving move. to L.A., 
supportive, not, no, so, like, not people, not really. people were like, oh, that's great, Jay. I'll tell you what. Or was uh, it more like, hey, man, like they kind of so like, what was the, whatever, like, the old, they were, I think they were a little like, I, I don't think they knew what was going on. They're like, why? I think they were like a little like, I know my, my some people in my family were pissed. They felt like we're, we're sticking around to help out the family. Where are you fucking going? I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to. It's my life. This is what I'm going to do. My mom kind of wasn't, it was, you know, my mom's a little traditional. So she's just like, even though she grew up in the arts, I don't think she was like, how are you going to, what are you going to, how, what, like nobody. And I, I honestly think that I just was like, everybody knew me as Jay for so long and who they expected me to be. And I think I just wanted to be someone else. And I just want to get the fuck away from everyone to try and figure out who I wanted to be. Because I think when you stay there, like if I stayed, I just would have kept being the guy that they always saw me as. And I kind of wanted to like show people that I was like, oh, I kind of want to be this other person. But because you're on the East Coast and people say like Boston's a huge city, they, they have comedy entertainment. New York's right down the it street. Did, like, it wasn't they, even an option. No, it wasn't but even But did an people option. try to bring that kind of stuff up to you to keep I don't you close? Think so. Or it was just like. I'll be honest, I had a really, really uh, narrow minded view of New York my whole life because of the Yankees. And that's the truth. I thought New York was a shithole. Fuck that town. <laughs> I'm not kidding. No, I, I didn't you. go to New York till I was 28 or 29. And, and had a I remember, great time. I was like, this is unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it's the greatest fucking city ever. And uh, I think I was legitimately 27 years old, my first time in New York. And I was like, holy How shit. How old were you when you moved away from Boston? 23. 23, okay. 24. So you had been on the West Coast for many years before you 24. decided to check out New York. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, L.A. was where I needed to be. I don't know why. I think it was Johnny Carson. I don't know what it was, but I just it's, needed to be there. Uh, scripts, too. If you think about writing yes. a script, screenwriters, yeah, like the palm symbol trees. Of entertainment, and, exactly, man. Yeah. It's, uh, everyone thought that, I think. You know? yeah. So when you, when you get... Were you... Like, we always... Talk to people when they move out here. Yeah, you knew people, did not know people. Uh, a lot of people, very few people. So I knew two people. So my buddy Chris Johnson, very funny guy, very talented actor. He's done a lot of different stuff. He uh, he moved out like four months before me. And initially, I remember he called me the night before he was leaving. He was like, "All right, man, we're leaving tomorrow. Are you coming?" Like it was like that. I'm like, "Nah, nah, man. <laughs> I, I, I don't have the money yet. I'm not ready to go yet." And I remember I was working like. I was working two jobs. I was working a temp job during the day and then weighing tables at night. And I was working at the temp job. And it was all women. It was like this, I forget the company, but like we'd set up like trade shows and it was all women and me. And I was sitting there and we were all like around the water cooler. They're like, so you're going to move to LA? And I'm like, yeah. And this one woman who's like the young hot one, she goes, like a little resentful. She goes, what are you going to do? And I go, I don't, I don't know, like go to cattle calls or something. Like I didn't know. Yeah, you don't. That, that's the, what people don't understand is like you don't. You just know like that's step one. Yeah, just the, get, there. Get, there. get there. Get there. That's yeah. the hardest. It's the hardest step thing. and the hardest thing to do anyway. Yeah. Make sure you knew someone that said, "Hey, man, if you ever want to come out and visit, you have to have that guy." Right. If you have, also. if you can have that guy. If not, or you're a just, friend of a friend, friend who may let you stay on their couch. Right. So I go, I go. I don't know. And she goes, "Well, when are you going to go?" And I was like. Well, I was going to wait till I, you know, I was going to try and save five grand and then I was going to go. And she was like, oh. And I was like, what the fuck? And I go back to my cubicle and I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, what if you don't ever get five grand, Jay? And I just looked at the, I pulled up like some like airline company and I just looked and I'm like, boom, January 17th. You just Whatever amount of money I have, that's when I go. And I booked and I come back over. I go, January 17th, everybody. <laughs> that's when I'm going. And, uh, you kind of need to do that, right? I mean, dude, there you can, have to. You could find a million reasons to, to not go. Set a date and go. And, not, yeah, and I've done that. I use that now with a lot of stuff. Like if I just say, like, if 
I'm trying to get something written, I tell people, I'm like, oh, I'm going to have it then. Or, like, just book a date at a club. I'm like, yeah, I'll have my new hour ready. Boom. Like, so it's there and you fucking just figure it out. Yeah. Because otherwise you'll come up with all those excuses. Yeah. So I knew my buddy Chris who moved out four months before. And then my cousin Christine, who I had never met, I called her and was like, hey, I'm moving to L.A. She's, She's like, like, oh, Who are you? <laughs> she, like, you know, my family wasn't. You know, we weren't close internally, and we weren't close with, like, you externally. know, it's just we, uh, we just weren't. Was this one of those things somebody wrote the name on a piece of paper with a phone number and go, call these people. They're, they're family. <laughs> yeah. Basically, well, right? But Christine, her, her grandfather and my grandmother were brothers and sisters, okay. you know? So she knew, like, my aunts and my grandmother and everything, and I knew who she was. But she was, like, older than me. I was just a kid. Was when she, she, like, a family? Had family and all that kind of stuff, like, completely yeah, settled in? Yeah, she had a kid and was married, and okay. her husband was on a sitcom. So I called her. She gave me a bunch of advice. She's like, this is what you need to do. First thing you need to do is you need to have a car. You need to have this amount of money. She's very organized. She's the one, and she said, don't do anything in the business for the first six months. So, Except, and don't live with us. Definitely and don't live. Definitely, with us. yeah. Get your that own wasn't place. even an option. Did you, oh, so you, were you had it. you? Th- oh, you didn't even think about asking. No, I didn't even. I never thought about asking anyone to live really? anywhere. So you always had the intention of coming out here and living on your own. You did not really think like, oh, I'm going to go. Yeah, and sleep I wanted on to live on my own. That's all I okay. wanted to do. I was. Good. I moved out with. This is what I carried. I carried two bags that because you'd take them on the plane, and my golf clubs. That was it. So you get to the. By the way, so you just show up at the airport and then what? And then I just. Oh, I, I went to San Diego. Because my buddy lived in San Diego. Oh, okay. So, so two weeks I stayed in San Diego with him. Did you rent a car or what did you do? How did you get to San I, Diego? My buddy bought Paris. Oh, no. We came flew to get to San, I flew to San flew Diego. Flew to San Diego. One-way oh, okay, ticket. Sorry. And then my buddy Bart came with me. We rented a car, drove to L.A. And my buddy Chris, who lived there, he drove us around to try and look at places. Okay. You know, it was like before Craigslist or Dude, anything. Dude, yeah. You've you're got an L.A. Weekly out maybe. We're just and driving like, through neighborhoods like yeah. looking for, for rent signs yeah. is what and we did. And they used to be all over the place back then. Everywhere. Before. Yeah. And it's like, I want to live in Hollywood. And he goes, dude, no one lives in Hollywood. I'm like, I want to live in Hollywood. Yeah, this goes, was right no, as they were. They he's were. like, no, you don't. I go, yes, I do. I want it. All my, I want people to send me letters because you Let's get say, letters. Yeah, Hollywood, California. Hollywood, yeah. California. Dude, I wanted That's the I same wanted. fucking thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I moved to Thai Town, <clears throat> fucking Monroe Street, right off of Western. And you were like, man, this is a shitty neighborhood. And I didn't give a fuck, dude. Yeah. I had, I had like, I've had five nightmares in my whole life. And one of them was in that apartment. Right? <laughs> I remember the sure all. it was a nightmare. Well, that's what I mean. Oh, yes. But I think people over, over like dramatize nightmares. They say like they dreamt they were dying and it was a nightmare. That's not a fucking nightmare. Okay. It's a bad dream. Yeah. Nightmare is like intense. This nightmare, I was in the place I was in. A guy came in and tried to molest me like standing up in a trench coat. And I remembered it vividly because I had a Murphy bed. It was a studio. You tried to fold yourself up into the wall. <laughs> tried to fold me up, man. <laughs> He had me jammed. I couldn't get out. <laughs> but the bed folded down, and then the door to the apartment was right there, and I was the first apartment to the front door of the building. Oh, you know what okay. I mean? And so it was okay. just like freaky. My car got broken into like three times over there. But I didn't give a shit. You know, I was like, first six months this is where I'm living. It was cheap. I knew the lady who like lived in the back, and I'd help her. I remember this dude, this only other white dude on the street, lived in the back of the building. And one day he sees me. He's like, hey, man, you knew? I'm like, yeah. He goes, come down to the apartment. We'll have a beer. I was like, all right, you know. So I brought two beers. I don't know why. I'm like, oh, I'll bring two beers. So I bring like two Coronas down, and he's like got a bean bag, and he's got like he's got like oh, beads yeah. hanging. He's got no oh, shirt on. He's yeah. super thin. And I get in. And he's on the phone with his girlfriend, like having a fight. And, and I'm just that, I just sit cool. down and I open a Corona and I give him one and I just start drinking it. And it's like I finish half the beer before he gets off the phone. He gets off and he's just he's like, so you new here, huh? I'm like yeah. He's like. Phew. Crazy town, man. Crazy town. Like, we <laughs> talked for like 20 minutes. Like, this is like my first friend. I think it's going to be. We talked for 20 minutes, and I'm like, all right, man, I'm going to get going. 
And he's like, the thing is, when you move here, no matter how cool you were, wherever you came from, yeah. when you're new, you're new. Yeah, you know? yeah. And everyone you're, you're smells fresh. it. And you're, you're not cool. You can't be cool. You know, whatever you're no wearing, idea. they oh, see wrong. it. It's yeah. wrong. Yeah. And uh, I go, all right, man. And he goes, shake my hand. He goes, hey, man, let me show you how we shake in L.A. And shows me the slap fist bump. Oh, my God. Uh, and I was like... I hated it, but at the same time, like, thank God, because like everyone is like, oh, hey, man, and they go the fist bump, and like when you don't know what the, like, like, what the wow, fuck are you doing? Why are you punching like, me? Right, thank God, I know the fist Let bump. Let me show you how to. What was that guy's name? You remember that guy? No, oh, please. That was the only time I ever talked or hung out with him. Isn't that funny? That's All I did when I lived in that house. That's very typical of the city, though. That's the kind of shit that happens when you first move out here. Yeah, it's man. these random so encounters. Weird. Like instant friendships that also dissolve as Instantly. quickly as they start. As they start. Yeah. Yeah, and so what kind of work did I mean? Obviously, like everything. A, I, how long did you not work before you got out here? Six days. So okay. So I grinded as soon as I well, I, I, I moved with thirty two hundred bucks, and after buying a car first and last, I was down to like twelve hundred, and I bought furniture. And then it was the weekend I moved was my birthday. Wow! And the Super happy Bowl. birthday. Thank you. <laughs> From you back too, back man. then, happy birthday back then. Yeah, that was my birthday was on the Super Bowl, and so I didn't have a TV. I'm like, I'm gonna go buy a fucking TV to watch the Super Bowl. <laughs> So I bought a TV so I could watch Super Bowl. <laughs> We're just going to a bar, but that's fine. Bye. Yeah, I just, just I was never a bar guy. You uh, know, okay. I was never like a go hang. I just was. I was scared. Don't you host a you show? You didn't want to go to your shirtless bars, yeah, buddy. but I always worked at bars. <laughs> like for me, it was always more fun to be the guy behind the bar who didn't have to wait in line. It wasn't crowded. I could do whatever the fuck I wanted. It's a different type of social. And I could make money. Yeah. yeah. For me, socially, I have a weird problem socially. It's I think it's my social disorder. We all have something, and mine has always been, what are we doing? Like, if we're not doing an activity or something, I just feel like I'm wasting time. Like, for me to go to a bar and have drinks, I'm just like, what are then we just doing? just sit there, right? We're wasting yeah. time, especially, like, when I moved here. So it was always like, oh, I'll work. It's a problem of mine. I don't really know how to relax. What was your first job? I got, I got a job. So I pounded the pavement looking for jobs. Nobody would take me because I was new. And finally, you got to get into a corporation because they're the ones that are going to let people in. Cheesecake Factory, Brentwood. Okay. Gave me the gig. Coincidentally, I trained in Marina Del Rey, and Brett Ernst used to used to oh wait my tables God. there. And tells jokes about it. Yeah, and when yeah. I met him through stand-up, I'm like, hey, man, did you used to work at the Cheesecake Factory? He's like, yeah. I'm like, dude, I remember your blue eyes. Because <laughs> he had black hair and blue eyes, and Brett Ernst became a buddy and ended up getting me... He's the one who got me to the comedy store where I got passed. Anyway, um, uh, so yeah, I started working at the Cheesecake Factory, and then uh, just started waiting tables. And then I like I wanted to write this script, Alma's Delight, so I wrote it. And then I started to write another one, and then I started doing improv, and then I started doing acting class, and then someone suggested that I do stand-up because I was crushing it at tables. Like, <laughs> people would be eating, like, I'd bring a dessert for two, and i put down three spoons, and they go, what's that third spoon for? And I'd be like, boom, and I'd, like, take a scoop of their dessert, and they're like, <laughs> he's crazy. <laughs> That's, you were Cheesecake Factory crazy. <laughs> but I had left Cheesecake at this oh, point. Oh, this is a different restaurant. Yeah, I got uh, hosed on a, t- this is, this was, this is where my level of, like uh loyalty is i'm at cheesecake factory i get stiffed on a check i go to my manager i'm like hey man these guys just walked out and he's like you're gonna have to cover that man i'm like why why am i gonna cover it i'm like i was catching another table blah 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 he goes sorry man and i go all right and i go over to another table go how you guys doing they're like good good how you doing i'm like not great i just got hosed on a table and my boss won't back me up and cover the check and they're like oh my god that's a bummer i'm like yeah i know it's no big deal i'm like can i get something to drink they tell me and as i'm walking away i'm like you can't talk shit about the people that are paying you. Like, they're paying your salary. And I was like, yeah, that's a good call. I went back to the manager's office, grabbed a piece of paper, like, like for, like, 
get vacation request and I put in my two weeks notice right there and I go back to the table and they go, hey, you feeling a little better? I'm like, just through my two weeks, guys. What can I get? And I was just like, oh, I'm relieved. <laughs> anyway, then I got Did another Did you actually job. last the two weeks? Yeah, yeah, I gave. My okay, co- so they didn't. They didn't be like, "Oh, we gotta get him out of here." He's no, pissed. I just no, and I had like that was my whole world. Okay, I worked there eleven months. I knew everybody there. We were all friends. You know, we were getting big. You still talk to people from your first jobs? No, no, okay, not cheesecake. Second job where I went after that, I talked to one person, two people. One is a, a dear friend of mine. He lives in Atlanta now. But what happened for me, I don't know if this happened for you guys, but like kind of the world I built myself around, the people that were here, like when I was working at that second place, four guys were there to be actors. One was there to be a writer. We all were tight and they've all left. Yeah, that's a big part of it. Like when oh. I look back on the first year that I was here, yeah, uh, you know, I used to run these open mics and I, I still, I used to keep all of the uh, the sign-in sheets. Oh, that's tight. And so when I look at them now and I'm like, gone, 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 gone. gone, gone. gone. Oh, all right, fine. Okay, that one's good. Yeah, you're just like, but Still it's here amazing. for some odd reason. <laughs> well over 80% of them gone, like literally. Yeah. And, you, and you, you forget that that was your, like it was so intense, right? Like when you're really into comedy- and you're doing it like seven, eight times a week, I, and it's like you're seeing all the same people. Like it's it's like taking ten years and squeezing it into six months. See, I didn't, I never had the open mic experience, so I never did open mics. So for me, I didn't really have that. I didn't have that group. But what I had was this group of people that we all worked together, and we were all here to try to accomplish the same thing. And a lot of them left. And it like literally two years ago, I was on the phone with my, my buddy, and he was critiquing like a new short film I did, and they like, giving me his insights, and I I got annoyed. I got pissed at him. He's like, and I'm like, whatever, dude. And he goes, what? I'm like, I, I don't, I just don't think you can give that kind of, I, I just don't, I don't, whatever. And he goes, well, dude, if you don't want my feedback, I'm like, I, I, I don't. <laughs> and he goes, why? And I go, we were here doing something. And you left. And you left. And, and now what am I doing? I'm still doing it and you're not. And I'm asking you for critique. And I go, why my... am I getting critique from you? Yeah. And he goes, what the fuck does that mean? I go, why'd you leave? Because I, I got to a point where I realized I looked around and all the people that I built my world around for four or five years were all gone. And now I'm left to like, well, where's my core now? Where do I find the people now? Like, it's tough to rebuild a core and have a group. It's very tough. And I was just like, why the fuck did they all give up? I believed in you and you fucking didn't hold up. And you didn't you believe in I mean? yourself. You didn't believe in yourself. And, you, and that's when I realized it took till two years ago. 12 years or 13 years in the business that so many people came here on someone else's dime or because they could, you know what I mean? And they didn't have like... There was no passion. There was no drive. There was no there drive. Was there was no... nothing like forcing them. I, yeah, and, and, I mean, I would never I would never tell somebody to not go for the experience, but I think a course, lot of people of do course. just go for the experience and there, there's not that, there isn't that drive And I don't want to blame you. anyone for being lucky enough to come from a family that had money or people no. that will support them. I no. think that's great. No, but, but, it, but fucking... it explains to you why so many people do leave in the end, but why they all get it. out. Yeah, fucking And also, I'm it. sure there's a lot of like, look, I'll go out there. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. I move out and I get out of there. You know and what I mean? get a new job. And I was just like, there's no See, that's the you have Once a... I got out here and started doing stand-up, I was like, no, this is it. I'm not going to leave. Yeah, it's never easy. And you have to, you have to even... You can have a moment of success and be like, this is it. So th- I stay at this crest, right? Yeah. And then it doesn't. You have to be, you have to continue to fight. And that's the thing is you don't have that fight in you all the time. Yeah. You, I, I don't know People how you could down. survive. You get beat you down. You get beat this down. City. But I mean, everybody goes through a beat down and then it's everybody like, does. okay. And then, but it's nice to have somebody you can call and go, dude, well, I got, didn't get this. I got rejected I from that. And fucking, they laughed at my fucking script and they told me I was a bag of shit. And like, 
to have those people that can go, oh, yeah, 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 I hear you, man, because yesterday, my cat puked in my shoes, the fucking whatever, you know what I mean? And just everybody, you just want... Two weeks ago, I went golf with my buddy Brian, who's a director and a producer, and I, we, I love golfing with them. We take golf serious and not as serious the same way. You know, some guys are like, oh, let's go get wasted in golf. Other guys are like, let's play for high score, uh, low scores. You know what I mean? And we're like, like, let's get wasted and play for high score. <laughs> we're, high but score. We're, he's like the perfect balance. So it's, I enjoy golfing with him. It's the same thing of like my philosophy, of like going out drinking. I have a tough time. And when I go golfing, I'm like, if I'm spending five hours and 80 you, you bucks, like that I want to play. Yeah. yeah. And we, we both kind of like opened up and we're like, dude, it's been fucking tough lately. I don't know what's going on coming off of this. And he was in the same boat. And I'm like, dude, you're successful. He goes, dude, so are you. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And he's like, neither am I. And, <laughs> and then the next week, I got, we like vented the whole 18 rounds, had a great time. And I'm leaving. I'm like, you realize tomorrow or today something positive is happening for both of us, right? And he's like, yeah, I hope so. And as soon as I got home, I got a phone call for something. And I hit him up. I'm like, I got my good news. You get yours? He's like, nah, man. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. But you're right. You want to have those people that you can like that can relate to what you're talking about. And the, and the, and the, I think an important thing to learn is like when you, that's, you, know, you have these friends who are seemingly more successful than you or that you feel are, you put them up there and you're like, shit, you've directed a movie. You've done this. You've done that. That's, you're successful. If I could have had that, you know, if I could have that, yeah. and then you get to that, and you're like, shit, you've directed more movies, and you've done, and it's you're you just you keep going. Them. But I think that the drive is what is 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 a positive thing. You need to look at that as a positive thing. But you also have to look at it realistically. And all of us have been in this business, even even on the outskirts of this business, enough to know that there's a very small group of people that never have to look for work. Sure. Everybody else does. There's a very small group that that, that well, even those even yeah, that one percent the they're, they're always being offered something. Even that one yeah. percent though, Harrison Ford thinks that every time he gets in front of the camera, it's the last time he's going to be in a movie. Well, he doesn't think anyone's going to hire him again. But the phone rings to him versus the majority of people. You know, you're free agents all the time. You're constantly looking for the next gig, and sure. you have to be okay with that. If that yeah. bothers you. This is probably not the business. I know. Well, Harrison Ford is the comparison I was going to make earlier when I said, like, all my friends left. You ever hear that Vin Diesel story with Harrison Ford? I guess he was on a movie with Harrison Ford, Vin Diesel. And in the lunch line, he's like, hey, man, can I, uh, can I ask you something? He's like, hey, he goes, how'd you get to where you're at? And he's like, let's sit down. And I guess he said to him, he goes, you know, I moved here with, like, eight guys. We all lived in a house. And after a year, there were six of us. After two years, there was four of us. After four years, there was three of us. And after eight years, it was me. That's how. <laughs> I, I survive, but dude, if you can hang on, and Mark Marin says it, if if you can just find a way to hang, hang on, on, and it's you're eventually gonna, it's not even, and and work. I mean, you got to work hard. You can't just be like, yes. if, if I if I can stay in L.A., I'll, it'll happen. No, you no. also have to write and and go out on auditions yeah. and do the things you need to be doing to move your career forward. But but if you can hang on, I really feel that. I mean, look, I, it's it's tougher for women, but guys, like, I'm starting to get dad roles now. You know what I mean? It's no, like, no, I disagree. okay, you disagree <laughs> that I'm starting to get dad roles? You, should, you shouldn't. Oh no, I should, I'm not no. sending. Can I, who can it's I acting send, though? It's who, acting. Who's the, who can I send an email to to let them know they've miscast you? <laughs> president right. of show business. Okay, dear president of show business, do you remember the first time we met? Because I do. I don't. You probably don't. I don't even know if I've ever even told you this story. Oh, I can't wait. I love when people tell me about myself. <laughs> so a buddy of mine. Do you know why? Because I always look in the mirror and be like, how do people see you? I, <laughs> you well, I, I, have a, I have a pretty good memory of when I, when I meet people. Uh, a lot of people don't remember me, and that's fine. I'm not very memorable. I'm a pretty like, no, I'm just saying. Like, I'm not saying to slam myself. Like, but No, but you're I, right. I remember you. Honestly, I don't remember you when you guys asked you me to do this podcast. <laughs> good. So um, you, did you used to do catering? 
Yeah, I'm sure. And I you was were, doing... And you worked, and you worked in, you were a bartender? Yeah. So a buddy of mine had a party at his house in Venice. He I was, remember he the He was one. a sculptor. And um, he, I used to work with him at this uh, Was his this wife film. black? Yes. Yeah, I remember this party exactly. All my college buddies were in town. I'm like, I got to go do this gig. It's in Venice. And you know what I loved about this party? I'll just say it, and then you can take over. Yeah. Is she put out cigarettes for the party yes. on the bar. Yes. Like, oh. That's fucking dope. I wear flip-flops. <laughs> yes. I made bank that night. Go ahead. So um, I was with my buddy Baxter, who doesn't uh, live here anymore. Oh, I can't wait um, for this. So we walk up to get a drink, and uh, I ask you, and and I, and I don't even know how we we got to the conversation, but you were just like, man, I, I'm not I'm not a bartender, man. I'm a stand up comic, man. I don't, man, I'm, I'm just doing this, but I'm not doing. And I and I remember turning to Baxter, and I'm like, oh, what the oh, this fuck guy, is this? Guy. this guy. I, I think I remember seeing your face right now. <laughs> I turn I turned away and I go, is he fucking kidding me right now? Like, how? What kind of balls does this guy have? That like, because I always had this thing like, you don't tell people like when you're like you're doing your if job, you're doing this, do your job. You don't tell them the things that you're that you want to do. Or you're yeah. supposed to oh, do. I'm the which, director. Which in the end, I actually now when I look back on my life, I'm like, no, you pretty much should just tell people how it is and fuck them how they react. I mean, to it. if you've never directed anything, you're not a director. But I was doing stand up. Well, yeah, but you know? at the time, I, I think that we, we I must I was, new, I was doing stand up. Yeah, new. so I didn't know. And we and eventually, I think I ended up. Getting your number, or whatever, and probably booked you on one of the shows or whatever. But I, I just remember at first, I was like, "God damn it, that guy's got way too many fucking balls to be at an industry like and this is me at an industry party telling people while he's bartending." That and he, I didn't this, even this think of it like that. that. I just thought it was you a party did, in Venice, didn't. and you were probably out. having a great time. Just it was oh, totally yeah. having conversation. And I thought, man, what? But but remember, the fact that I did not forget that. What does that say? You know what I mean? That says yeah, a lot no, though too. Sure. And it wasn't like I walked away and said, "Fuck that guy." Like eventually later, and I was like, "Yeah, dude, give me your number." Like it was like literally, no matter what I thought, I was like, "Guy's got that kind of fucking." Balls. I was probably I funny I too, should. by the way. <laughs> well, yeah, he probably just told me you were, and I was like, "Guy said he's yeah, funny." He said he's funny. But he's speaking fun. of that, uh, how did you? So the first so, time you did stand up, yeah, so so you you didn't come out here to be a stand up comedian. No, I can't. Well, here's the deal: I came out here to write and act, and then, but I later looked back and I found a file on my laptop that was like stand up. And I was about like bo- going bowling and buying, buying toilet paper. Now I'm gonna say a couple of things about stand up that people probably might not believe. One, I think I'm as good now as I was the first day I did stand up. A lot of people probably don't believe that. Two, I never was at a point where I was doing seven or eight shows a week because I do kind of like a storytelling stand up. So I would like kind of practice at home and just tell stories, and I feel really comfortable getting up because I knew what I was talking about. Three, I don't know how many times you do a bit before you think it's ready. How many times do you think you do a bit before you think it's ready? Oh, man. I it, think it, each it, dep- bit varies. it varies, man. It depends. Sometimes it's like, bam, that's it. That's the joke. Okay, Other times okay. it's like Some jokes months, are jokes. Like, some okay, jokes good. are stories. I'm in the See? middle of fucking like seven months of trying to work on 20 new minutes that I can't fucking get down. It's, gotcha. it's enraging. Yeah, and you know what? That's probably, that's probably where I have a flaw. I've always been a guy that never put in a ton of work and could get by. Like I would always get C's with no work. And then if I did a lot of work, I get an A. But if I just sat right in the middle, I just coast with B. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. The only thing I ever put a ton of work into was baseball, and my brain always got in the way of my baseball anyway. But uh, stand up, I was waiting tables, and people thought I was really funny. And in one week, three people were like, "Do you do stand up?" And I was like, "No." And this girl I was working with like overheard, and she goes, "Hey, if you want to do stand up, I know a guy." And I was like. I don't know. Ask the guy I worked with who used to do stand-up. He's like, just have five minutes. If you have five minutes, you're good to go. And I was like, all right. So I came up five minutes. And I told that girl, I'm like, hey, yeah, I, I love to do stand-up. And she's like, okay, cool. She's like, uh, my buddy runs this show at Dublin's. Do you guys remember Dublin's? Dublin's was, uh, 
I'm trying to think of what good way to describe it now, but like how everyone gets, they jerk off to Nerd Melt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Going to that place. I think Dublin's was like this. Dublin's was it for me. It was like a rock star uh, comedy venue, basically. Yeah, I mean, here's the way to explain Dublin's. Like, so I used to visit a buddy of mine who used to work at the improv before it became corporate back Mm -hmm. in the 90s, where like, what I mean by that is that the door guys used to be in charge. They would be the ones to determine who got on stage, all that kind of stuff. It was, it was, it was far more like a community, right? Yeah. Um, that started dying at about 98, 99. A lot of bringer rooms started coming up and comedy clubs themselves started struggling to get audiences. And out of nowhere comes this fucking Dublin show, which everybody would rather get on that Dublin show for exposure than be in any one of the comedy clubs. Any specific comedy club at that moment. That's how popular that place was. And an idea to you guys listening, this show would seat about maybe 200 people to get in there, maybe a little more standing. One of them was usually Britney Spears. Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake, exactly. Milo Kunis was always there. Right. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know anything. So I just showed up. This guy's name was Ahmed Ahmed. You guys know Ahmed. Uh, Ahmed's the guy who got me into Dublin's, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. From the, we worked on punk. He's like, oh, you're a stand-up? I go, yeah. So come down to the room. Yeah, I'm nice like, guy. Exactly. Awesome. Great. Exactly. But That's- Jay, when I did go down there, Jay was like, Jay Davis also booked it with him. And he was like, him well, and- it was Jay's, Jay believes he, Jay's the one who created it, and he brought Ahmed with him, I think. Well, okay. That's fine. I wasn't there. I don't, I don't, I don't We'll have him on the next episode. At least as far as what, like, the vibe you get off Jay. Like, that yeah. was Jay's baby. Ahmed was, like, doing other things. Obviously, he was yeah. doing punk. Yeah, stuff. right, right. And, and Jay was focused 100% on, on mm-hmm. booking that room, for sure. So, but he, uh, Jay was like, well, who are you? I'm like, yeah, Ahmed said I could come down. He's like, okay, yeah, well, you can do, they had, they had it set up. There was two the shows. Early show. He goes, you can you can close out the early show, and I go, okay. So I, he goes, it'll be like you're opening the late show, and I'm like, sure, whatever, man. So I go into the bathroom to take a pee, and there's a female bathroom attendant in there, and <laughs> nice. I'm like, what is going on, Hollywood? And then I, I go out and I do my set, and I have a really I had a really good set, and uh, he was like, oh yeah yeah, come down, I'll give you spots from when when you need them. All right, I'm like, so okay. I'm gonna break down what I think happened here. So they the show was on Tuesday nights, and then they had workout Wednesdays. They started workout Wednesdays. So that was I went to Tuesday night, met a med, place was empty. I go, hey man, I'm friend of Vanessa's. Can you put me up tonight? He goes, ah man, we're kind of booked. And I go, all right. And he goes, well, you got a tape? I'm like, nah, I don't have a tape. And he goes, well, where else do you perform? I'm like, oh, I've, I've never done stand-up. And he goes, oh, man, this is not the room for you. And I'm like, uh, dude, tell me whatever I got to do from now till next week, and I'll do it if you'll put me up. And he goes, all right. Like, I think he liked that I was a little, like, you know, pushy. Most people just walk learned, away and go, I yeah. guess. Like, As we learned from your bartending days at, right. at, it's, at, in which Venice is gonna, Beach. <laughs> wait, hey. it's going to double back on exactly what John just said. So I, I don't do any open mics. He goes, do as many open mics as you can till next week, and you then you can none. put you up. I do one the night before at the Westwood Brew Co., and I tank for three minutes. But I didn't give a fuck because I always was like, open mics is just like other comedians. No one's going to like give you support. I just didn't get it. I didn't get it. So I came. I show up the next night, do, do Dublin's. It's the Wednesday night show, not the Tuesday night, okay? But still like 150 people. Dane closed it. You yeah. know what I mean? It was and all... I would like run out to see that dude. People would pile in there. This is when him. Dane was building that LA fan base, which I think we all know there's only like three comedians since I've been here that have ever had an LA fan base. And it's Dane, currently Chris D'Elia, and I don't know, maybe one other guy that people like crowds show up for. So Dane was killing it. I have a great set. And I get off stage, and do you know Courtney Cronin? You remember Courtney yeah, Cronin? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Courtney Cronin comes up to me. She goes, hey. And I go, hey. She goes, you from Boston? I go, yeah. And she goes, did you start doing stand-up there? And I was like, no, I, I no. And she goes, San Diego? Where do I know you from? I'm like, no. I go, this was actually, this was my first night doing stand-up. And she's like, that was your first time ever? And I go, yeah. And she gave me a card. She goes, call me tomorrow. 
I can help you. And I was like, all right. And so she started introducing me to all these guys that ran shows. That's what, and that's part of the thing that really does help. Yeah. So I never did person. open mics. And then I also thought that you were supposed to write new material every, every time you went on. <laughs> so they told me, Jay's like, I had a great set. And Jay goes, come back next week. We'll put you up again. I'll give you eight minutes. You go second. I go, okay. Come back the next week. Do very well again. All new material. He's like, dude, you have a spot here every single week. This was Wednesday nights. Boom. I start telling everyone. Next Wednesday, I show up, and they shut the show down. Oh. They didn't have a cabaret license for so this Wednesday is when the nights. Whole, oh, just Wednesdays. Yeah, this is my third week in comedy. So they shut down Wednesday nights, and they kept Tuesday nights going, right? So then I was like, all right, Jay, well, can I get on the Tuesday nights? Like, dude, you can't do Tuesday night. You're too, <laughs> you're too new. You just haven't. So I just started showing up every Tuesday, and then they started doing the early show. Yeah. So they would do it once a month. They would do the early show, like eight to nine, and then the regular show would start at nine. So he, then one week, Jay goes, next week, you're going to close. You're, next week, you're on the show. And I was like, sweet. I have so many friends there coming to see me because I'm like, I'm finally doing the Tuesday night show, blah, blah, blah. I'm at the back bar hanging out, talking to someone, and I hear from the early show them introduce me. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm on the late show. You know what I mean? Dude, I'm three months into comedy. Four months, maybe. I go running up there. I'm pissed. Do my set. Have a really good set. Get off stage. Come back this way. Jay gets up. Opens up for the next one. I hunt him down. I get him in the corner. I go, what the fuck, dude? And he goes, what? I go, I thought I was doing the late show. He goes, I told you you're not ready for the late show. I go, did you see what I just fucking did? And he goes, no, I didn't. I go, this is fucking bullshit, Jay. And he was just like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> you can't tell me what to do. And I was just like, so I just felt as though like I earned it. And it's like, wow. Yeah. Three months in, you definitely earned it, man. <laughs> what I'm really saying is those dues. in that room, in that context of what was happening, you know? And I was just like, I gave it, which, so what, which I so cl- how did where did it go from there after Jay you do, was after totally you said cool that? with me. Oh, he and he was he like, okay. okay. And then he started letting me, then I would just like, I did the early show again, and then he started putting me on Tuesday nights. Then, to, then finally, we started doing a show together at the Belly Room Friday and Saturday nights. We were doing it together. He asked me to come on, and that didn't last long, and we lost that. But then I was like doing other shows, and just like, oh, okay, my life isn't going to be Dublin's isn't going to be. I thought it was going to be like my home spot, you know what I mean? No, and then eventually yeah. they got shut down. Yeah. But I, like I said, I didn't know. I didn't even know who Bill Hicks was. I didn't know who Bill Burr was. I didn't you know. Do you think you that the ignorance student, helped you, though? You weren't a student of no. any kind of stand-up. Do you I think that helped you, though, all. being ignorant? Yeah, I do. Because I was just like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. This is going to be... I didn't I didn't know what... It's better was, not to know the rules, I right? didn't know what a joke punchline was. I would just tell little anecdotes and make them funny. I'm like, how do you make this funny? So it became like I had a really honest, natural voice. It was my idea. From, a, you know? from very early on. Which, which is why I say I feel as though I'm just as good now as I was that first time. Would you watch comedians, though? No. You, so you wouldn't even the watch? The only comedian I started watching was Dane. So you when, would not watch... When you would go to do shows... Oh, yeah, yeah. You would, you, you would, you would watch Because then I got past the store. I got past the store like three years in. And I again, I was just like, what am I doing? Hanging out back, just talking to people. So I would just sit in the OR and just watch everybody. I'm like, oh, I like this. But then here's the deal. The writer in me and stuff like that, and I'm I like sharing and I like a team aspect, which is something stand up doesn't really afford you. Correct. Guys would get off stage and I'm like, dude, you know what would be funny? And I would like pitch jokes. Uh, It'd be yeah. funny. And they fucking the hated fuck me. Up. Yeah. And I was just like, I just thought like, what do you mean? Like I've Swartzen wrote tags for me, I've written tags for Sickler. Like I just thought like that's what you would do. 
but I didn't have I didn't build that whole thing where we were all in open mics together, so we riff like that, and people were like, oh, "Fuck you." I remember Burr one time I opened for Burr, and I took notes his whole set because I didn't know if some <laughs> things he was just making up on stage and wasn't going to remember. You did this on your own. Yeah, I'm like, okay, uh, oh, okay. meaning that you guys didn't have a previous discussion. Like, hey, I'll watch your set and take notes. You just literally sat in the back and took notes. It's the for him. first time he ever asked me to open for him, and or requested me open. And so, like, it was in between shows at the Melrose Improv. We had the two shows, and uh, we're sitting there having a drink. And I go, "Hey, man, I got some notes from uh, the first show." And he looks at me. He goes, "He goes, are you fucking serious right now?" And I go. Oh no no! I don't have to be. I don't have to. Be. I just put the notes away, and he never asked for me to like come open again. <laughs> that was that was four years ago. I mean, that was like three or four. Years. I just I just never got it, man. Because for me, I'm always just like, if I see something that I think is funny, and that you know what I mean, I never got it. And like, people have never come up to me and done it, which now I know why because nobody wants that, you know. But that was just kind of and it just just. To, so everybody kind of knows your actual comedy arc. I mean, you've had a half-hour special on Comedy Central. Yeah. You've done some other uh, like uh, late-night talk shows as well. Like, What are the couple, a couple of late-night talk shows that you've been able to get on? I've done Conan. Conan. Four times. Uh, I did Ferguson a couple times. Nice. I did Carson Daly. I did, have a, I did have a Conan go viral. Okay. Like a, a video clip that went viral, which was big for me. It's that interesting that you, that you had a television spot that went viral. It's a weird thing, right? It's like, Isn't that crazy? Just, it just got, viral it reached more viral. people when it went on the internet than Pop, it did you know, on, did. on TV. Definitely yeah. did. Especially, you know, this is Conan TBS, not Conan, Conan but, yeah. Late So Late let me ask Conan you a question. Because tonight. you're a storyteller... Yeah. Did you find that? I mean, even I mean, you have a, a great success story when it comes to comedy, but it's 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 unique and unusual because typically, is storytellers. It's really hard to get a storyteller to do a five minute set on a talk show. So they they prefer right the punch set up punch. Yeah, set up, and, punch. and I so I was told how did early, you get through that world? Oh, uh, well, I'll tell you. So like early on, I wanted to do a story like when I was doing Ferguson back in 05. and they were like, Nah, man, because the network. Their philosophy was if someone tuned in and you're in the middle of the story, they're going to tune away. But right. if you're doing joke punchline, they can follow. So I just, I mean, I could do little short jokes that were quick story. Everything was just a personal thing to me. I was never doing pop culture or anything like that. I was just taking things that happened to me and then breaking it down. So when I went to do Conan, I really wanted to do this story about getting a wrong number. That's what I wanted to do. And and the booker was like, nah, man, you can't. Let's just stick to these jokes. I'm like, yeah, but those just were on my half hour. But he goes, it doesn't matter. This is Conan's audience. It's your introduction to them. I was like, fine. So I did it, and then like seven months later, I saw Nate Bargatze on Conan, and he did like, so a five-minute set, he did two and a half minutes, and then he did a two and a half-minute story. And I saw the booker the next night, and I was like, dude, what's up? And he goes, nothing. I go, I saw Nate last night. He did that two and a half-minute story. It was fucking awesome. He goes, I know. That's why I'm here. And I go, why? And he goes, because Conan loved the story and told me we need more storytellers, and, he, and I told him about your story, and so we're going to do it. And I'm like, dude, that's great. But you remember when we tried to do before, I kept going to Hermosa Comedy Magic, get it down to five minutes. I couldn't. I couldn't get it down. And he goes, I already talked to the EP and Conan. You have six and a half minutes to do the whole story. Wow. And I was like, dude, that's amazing. And I was so dialed into the story that I didn't even practice it with him. We just did it, you know, and I went and I I did it in five and a half magically that night. I like sped up the front, you know what I mean? Got it to five and a half. And it was like, I remember the show was so slow that night. Nobody was laughing. The guests weren't getting laughs. I'm like, what the fuck? And I just went out there and did the story, and it crushed. 
and then like two weeks later it went viral and then Conan went to the booker and was like anytime he wants to come back and tell a story that's great done and then they booked three other comics to tell a story then Tonight Show let a guy do a story and then people started they letting people do stories because they're like oh see this is uh, this is a skill set and now it's all anyone wants but the thing is ultimately which is where I also kind of feel like a fraud is a stand up I, I, I just never saw myself as a stand-up, I always wanted to write and tell stories. I wanted to make TV or make telev- uh, film. So now, trying to sell a TV show, I use my stand-up as a way to show people, like, hey, look, these are like the kind of stories I tell on stage. This is, I want to put these into characters, and it helps. You know? It's almost it, like a branding thing where it's your, you talk about yourself and everything you do is going to be... A, like You're just trying to tell stories about things that either interest you or that involve you. Yeah. It's like... With, through a movie, through television, like you just said. I but, don't know why I'm repeating you, but... It's always been the thing, but no, I had a show at the Improv. I think I had you on it, didn't I? Storytime with Jay Larson. I had it like, Mm-mm. before I moved to New York, I would bring four comics on stage. I'd bring them all up at the same... I'd bring up one, then the next, and the next, and then I would throw topics, like first car, and we would get into it, you know? And then we'd like just see where it went, which is what the Crab Feast has become, is conversational storytelling, because I just think it's the most interesting thing because I used to babysit when I first moved out here. That was another people I knew. My mother's friend's kid had a kid, and I would babysit Sundays for four hours as a way to give them to give me 40 bucks. Right. And he was a movie producer, and he used to ask me, hey, what can I, what can I do for you? What can I help you with? And I was like, oh, I don't even know what I want to be. And he goes, well, you, I can get you acting lessons with Freddie Prince's acting coach. I can get you PA work. I'm like, I don't know what I want to be. <laughs> And then I just, when I realized I wanted to write, I told him I wanted to write. And then like five years. talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> no, he said to me five years later, he goes, how's your writing? I'm like, oh, I'm focused more on stand-up. And he goes, focus on your writing. <laughs> writers always work. People always need something to do. And if without writers, there's nothing. And I was like, oh, that's, I, that's interesting. And as a guy that like, you know, I have two kids and I don't want to be away from them. And I want to coach Little League like you coach flag football. I want to do that stuff. Stand up on the road is not a place for me because no. then I'm away from the kids. And that's why, like, I've really focused the last seven years of my life trying to write TV and create my own shows. Let me know? ask you a question because I, I and John, I guess you could chime in on this, too. I've never actually done stand up on television. Do you, do you like it? Is it's It's clearly different, right? Like a regular, like a talk show stand up. Uh, is not like a club stand-up, right? It's it's very it's it, it, yes, you, it's, it's very different. different well, right? you have to stick to a script, you know. It's like you have to do these jokes and you have to do them in order. You, you have to do. Do you them. like it? I don't mind. I just again for me, it's always like I want to get to the end goal in life, and that's to be retired early so I can spend time with my family. Right. So like for me, it was like get the credit to get more exposure to like hopefully get a TV show or get a movie or get the things that I can be able to tell stories so that I can be with my family. That So that's kind of like where I always looked at it. Carson Daly was the most fun because you just do a set at the Ice House and okay. they record that and then they do an interview. That was the most fun. But the other TV ones, I mean, knowing that I was doing that story was pretty awesome because I'm like, oh, I know the story in and out. It's my go-to. The thing that I don't like about it is you can't interact with the audience and that's something I love to do in my stand-up because I feel like the thing that's so amazing about stand-up is they're right there. You can interact with them. You can push them. You can use them. You know what I mean? You can right. manipulate them into your comedy and make it organic and in the moment, which you can't do on TV. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could, but, you know. Well, you'd lose the audience at home because they'd be like, who the fuck's he talking yeah, well, to? Well, <laughs> good I don't, point. I don't know who he's talking yeah, to. Yeah, and, like, people always, like, I remember someone telling me, he's like, yeah, I never, you know, John Lovitz told me, uh, Make sure you look into the camera so you connect with the people at home. And I was like, well, fuck that. I'm, 
<laughs> and I had done well, it. <laughs> anybody who says John Lovitz told me. Eh. <laughs> Come on. Um, so yeah, it's definitely it's definitely different. So I outside think. of the stand up, yeah, you you have written. I mean, how is the writing going? Like, have you seen some results? Uh, how from is your... Elvis? And have you seen him lately? Um, I mean, it's just you know, it's funny. Is like I just think it's going to get. Easy. I sold a show like two years ago. Okay, good. Then when I did those shorts, yes. yep, I shot these shorts at Brian's old facility, the Herald. That was, was the birthplace of this podcast. Exactly. That's right. I remember the room. Well, full charge. Oh, yeah, you've been there. Yeah, full yeah. charges to do a show there too. Yeah. And uh, so I shot those shorts, and then from that, I sold the show to Fox, and then a whole year went. I didn't sell anything, but then I shot these shorts, and then I've been pitching a new show based off these shorts, and right now we're like just waiting between two people out of the 11 I pitched to, two are interested and we're just waiting for the offers. Now, in between that, um, you rejected a film role um, that was offered to... <laughs> it was to, not offered to me. I was, was asked... I should be very clear. I, I, let's just say you, there, was a, there was this movie, this, this small feature, fe- uh, Frozen, Frozen Peas. Peas. Have you guys heard of it? Look it um, up. We got a Facebook know, we were, page we were, for we were, it. We, we had a whole episode dedicated we, we, to the movie. We, we were auditioning people. <clears throat> auditioning. I'll tell you my side of the story because we, we yeah. almost started talking about this. I didn't think you even knew. So... I, I didn't think I, you knew. Well, I wasn't going to go to the casting sessions, okay. but I decided to because it was. I, it, I wanted to participate in it, so I, I came in and I'm flipping through the thing, and I see your name, and it's 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 got a line through it, and it says, um, "Not rejected, but declined. basically declined." Yeah, declined, and I was like, "What the fuck?" And I just, I kind of laughed it off. I, mean, I wasn't pissed or anything yeah. like that. I just laughed it off, and I, I turned to the, to the director, and I'm like, "I know this dude," and I go, "I can't, he, he he doesn't even want to try." He just was like, nah, not good enough for me. Yeah, it wasn't that. So basically what happened was, as you guys know, we're on such ebb and flows. We're highs, lows, highs, lows, highs, lows. And when that audition came in, I was like looking into it and I was checking out the storyline and I'm like, okay. And then I was like, wait a minute, Brian. I go, this is Irwin's movie. And I hit up my agent. I'm like, you know, I know this guy. I'm like, we're buddies. I go, remember when I shot my shorts? This guy helped me out, blah, blah, blah. They're like, yeah, okay, that's great. You know, that's great that you know him. And then I just was in a bad place, and it starts swelling up, and I'm like, what if I don't get it? I'm auditioning for a peer, and they're telling me no. That's just going to hurt me even more. And then I was like, then my ego's like, why didn't I just get an offer? And I'm like, then I was like, well, why would he ever offer you? He's never seen you act in anything. And I'm just like, I can't audition for someone I know and then not get it because it's just going to crush me because I, I, I'm not a good audition. I've only booked – I booked – you crush. John crushes at auditions. You book more commercials than anyone uh, I know. No, that's not true at all. But I, take take the compliments. But you do really take, well at auditions. It. Am I wrong? But commercials aren't about commercial auditions. Aren't about auditioning. It's, it's about your look. And it doesn't matter. I booked one and a half commercials because they weren't real. One was real, but never in like six years. And I've never booked an acting role. I did a movie last year. You know, how I booked it. I had an interview like a meeting with the director, and she's not like, an "I liked role, him," yeah. and I crushed the movie. I did really well. But only because she trusted me. I do well in my shorts that I... But I'm just not good at it. And I just couldn't take it. It was just like... I was at such a low point. I'm like, I just can't. I'm like, just fucking no. I just it, said no. Isn't that... There's two... Because I, I talked to John about this, you know, when it happened. I think I might have talked to him within a day or so. And I'm like, I can't believe Larsa just, like, declined to even come in for it. Mind and you, it, I, I wasn't I wasn't uh, yeah, brought which in. It was also so difficult for me to talk to him because well, I think he was pissed me. off at me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, well I mean... Your agent's going to get you in? Oh, I, th- I, I guess not, yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll fire that. If, if he had only known someone. So the... Um, so... What was interesting, and we talked about this in the past, is that there were uh, there was quite a few people that I ended up knowing that auditioned. Jamie, and, 
And it was very, but, but not even just Jamie, but like the, uh, Matt Bronger came in, uh, Matt Knutson came in, every other Matt in Hollywood. No, but it <laughs> yeah. was just, but the people started coming in, and I and I felt uncaught like of when I, I would see the list, and I and I'd be like, I wonder if I should be in here right now because I don't want to bone anybody either. Like yeah. I, I think that's kind of a my take from the other side was like it could also be a little bit of a mind fuck, right? Like it's it's kind of weird to just because I didn't feel like I'm in a power position now and I'm going to make no, decisions but, about your no. career because that's not how I look at things. I was excited to see the names on the list, and so I was like, maybe I shouldn't be in there because I don't want to fuck it up for them. You know what I mean? That's how yeah. I looked at it. Oh, that's sweet of you. Um, yeah, it was definitely, trust me, I was like excited. I'm like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And then I just kind of like, I just was my own worst enemy with it, and I just was like, I got to, you know, for the last seven years, I've really focused on my own writing because I felt like the only way I was ever going to get on TV in an acting way or in a way to tell stories would be if it, I created it. Like, I felt as though, like, it has to come from my voice through my stand-up and into, like, the, the world where, like, I can go into a room, sell them on my idea as a stand-up, and then them give me a chance to, like, ma- tell my story because I was never good at auditioning. I never found a way to, like, dive into the person. I just always tried to just be me, and I just didn't – I just wasn't good. And I, you know, I didn't, I didn't play the game and like meet casting directors and keep right, in touch. Right. Like some people not do that. I just wasn't good at it. And I was like, I guess I'm just going to have to, this is going to be my road. And it's, to be honest with you, I think it's like the thing that fits best with me. Like if you look, Ed Burns, I read his book recently, which is awesome. It's an awesome book. And he does everything, you know, he does it all. You know, he's the guy who writes it, directs it, produces it. And if like if I could if that was my career where I just made my own stuff and that was it and I was able to make a living, I think I'd be really, really happy and then be able to take some of the money and do some of the other things <clears> I want to do with my life, you know, because you know, I, there's just other things I want to do, you know. Well it's good that you choose a path though, and it's pretty obvious from the get go, uh, um, you, you know who you are and you know where where your strengths are and where your weaknesses are. And it's like if you choose to not wanna be the quote unquote audition guy or I told John I we um let me just tell you, though, it took a long time. I still audition and, and tell my agents, like, more auditions, more because I'm realizing I'm getting a little better, and I want to work, and I have kids now, and I'm like, fuck, I can't be the guy turning it down. I just need to put in more time to audition and write on my own instead of being like, I'm going to do one or the other, you know? If you want it, though. Like, that's the thing. is like, you have to, like, we were talking about before about people who leave the business. It's like, if you don't really want it, that's okay, you know, but don't pretend that you Too want it. Now. Like, I, I know that... I, for for a short period of time, I was uh, um, I was I had a, 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 a commercial agent, mm-hmm. and I went on on a couple auditions, and they were fine. And then one day, I was just sitting in the room, and I realized every other person that was in there, they all knew each other, like it was their own yeah. subculture. And then they all broke out into song and dance, and I'll never forget that because that was the last time I ever went to an audition. Yeah, because I looked oh, yeah. over there, and I'm like, I'm not a song and dance man. No, I'm not. But, I'm but not dude, and I realized you, I'm like, but but I but for me. <clears throat> It was it was it was defining in me in a way that I was like, I that's not my focus. Like I, I realized then that like I couldn't see myself part of that system, and so I just shifted my focus. Yeah, yeah. Because I was like, I'll never be that guy. I'll never. I would feel weird if I all of a sudden flash forwarded me two years later doing song and dances at auditions. With yeah, my, well, some people can do it though. I, I mean, can't. I can't. What were you gonna say, John? He can. <laughs> I was gonna say you don't have to do that shit at no, all. No, what I'm saying is I realized I, I wasn't it. part of that subculture. Yeah, I'm not either, man. Those guys, like the song and dance people, that that's their best friends. They're seeing in the waiting room, and I'm just like, I just want to get in, do this, and get out. Like I don't want to spend a lot of time. Like, got to be a Pabst Blue Ribbon somewhere for me. <laughs> no, not even, but it's just like I didn't, I mean, commercials to me are very, 
they're they're very simple and it's like if you can get in there and just say deliver a line and you have the look then either you're going to get it or you're not and that's yeah. just it and i think uh i'm trying to you know take that approach when i do theatrical auditions too just like i just know your shit show up on time don't be a dick get in there do the best you can make the choices you want to make and get the fuck out and forget about it but the thing is i don't yeah, anything against those good. people that do that they're actually making they're enjoying the process yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's i just, just how i realized i, I couldn't shit. i wasn't i was never going to enjoy it the way that they enjoyed it no. and quite frankly i think they needed that because after going through some of these <clears> casting <throat> sessions it's fucking horrible. But it is horrible. But to, to me, almost everybody that walks in that door <clears throat> is going to give their heart, and they're going to fucking not get shit out of it. And that's a, that's like a for me. I'm, and what you forget straining. is the audition. Let's just say the audition's ten minutes. It's an hour there. It's an hour back, and it's three hours of prep. It's, it won't even it's be a hundred bucks. You pay your acting coach to work it with you. It won't be ten minutes in the room. It'll be like three minutes. Three minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah, and of for, yeah, depending on how it's going. And they don't give a fuck if you're waiting and you go. Oh, we're going to take lunch now. They don't care. And I, I get to a point where I'm like, well, fuck them. You know, like they don't care about me. You know, like at some point you have to be like, I'm still going to always be the professional that I am and show up on time or early for podcast, John. Um, <laughs> but, you know, at some point you have to say like, hey, this is, you know, I think you and I and you, all of us, we just find where we're able to contribute the best and where we're going to have the best chance to succeed instead of trying to fucking you know, throw spaghetti on the wall and be everything, you know, and you have to just pick the thing and hope that, like, if you believe in yourself enough, like, when I started to just, like, push TV to be my thing, I'm like, this is what I'm going to really try and do. I'm going to be the guy that can create a TV show. I sold one. Let's try and sell another one. And they're not even just vehicles for me. I just want to be a guy who can create. I have to just believe, you yep. know, like... And hope that but you're still not sticking to one thing or the other. I mean, you can still be a oh, good yeah. writer, and I'm you're still, still going to go on and do stand up. And, you know, and if like, you got an audition and you were able to I get the part, do. you would act in of the course. thing. You know what yeah, I mean? So it's course. like I feel like I I'm, I do the same thing. I like I want to do it all. I want it in some way. The I, I agree with you that the best possible the dream is the Adam Sandler dream. It's like only work with people you like, making your own shit, doing it whenever you want, and everybody loves it. Or yeah. nobody loves it, and who cares? You're still making money. Still making hundreds of millions. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. What I mean is, like, that movie I did, I was in a room with all actors. You know what I mean? And, like... Was it intimidating to you at first? Yes, day okay. one was intimidating. I mean, I'm talking, like, John Carroll Lynch, who was in Fargo and is on um, that spy, Russian spy show on FX. Yeah. Boom. He's in it. Mikhail Hausman, who's on Game of Thrones and was in Treme he's in it. There's 11 people in the whole movie and I got to act with all of them. It's an ensemble cast yeah. and it's a thriller. And I was like, this is crazy. Logan Marshall Green has a show on Cinemax coming out. I'm a Yahtzee was playing opposite Don Cheadle in the new um, Miles Davis movie. Like these people were studs. But this is the thing. This is what they do. You know what I mean? They're actors. They're trained. I was never trained. I was... The way I've learned to act was getting on stage, doing comedy. I mean, I've taken acting classes and improv and all that stuff, but they're dedicated in a way that I'm dedicated to trying to write scripts. You know what I mean? Like trying to create a TV show. So that's why when I know when I go into auditions, I'm like, man, I'm really against a wall here because everyone in here that's coming in is really, 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 really good. So I'm going to need to do something. And you never know when that's going to work against everybody. Right. You know what I mean? Like, true, I, yeah. I've point. almost good walked point. out of auditions because I was like, I'm not right for this. Everyone else here is 55. They're bald. They're fucking gray hair. I don't fit. I don't fit. I don't fit. Why the fuck am I here? They're like, hey, you want to come in? And then they're like, yep. And it, they just go completely against everything they have out in the other room because nobody knows anything that they, they want, want until they fucking <laughs> see it. And then they're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
So you just you know, and and I I believe I, I go I've been going on a lot more of these like one two line auditions for like TV shows and stuff, and and there's always guys that are in there like. You sit down and it's just some dude you just saw on Seinfeld, some dude you just saw. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like they're they're they've been acting forever and they just do these character spots and they've never had to have real jobs because they've been doing this nonstop. And then you're like, well, I should leave because they're going to give this to somebody who's yeah. done. It. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, we've never seen you before. Yeah. Who the fuck are you? Why don't you do this? And it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, the that's other all. Th- and that goes back to hang on. Just as if you can hang on and hang if in there. Can. It's like. Well, that's why you have these like crazy lows, and that—that's the thing. Is this town gives you highs beyond highs? Like, I remember I've had days where like I got to open for Louis, and he came up to me before the show and was like, "Hey, man, I really enjoyed your Ferguson set." And I was like, "You watched that?" He's like, "Yeah, I watched it. I liked it." And I was like, "Oh my god, Louis C.K." watched my shit to make sure I was okay to open for him, and then when I went up before him, that he he told the sound guy. Louis wants you to do like three minutes in front of him. And I'm like, all right. So then I did more time in front of Louis. And then he got up and made jokes about me for three minutes. And I'm like, <laughs> this is unfucking believable. And then the next day, you're just going to find out, like, oh, your buddy wrote this piece of shit indie and you got to go in for it. And you're like, no, nah, I don't want to go in for that frozen bees. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's good. That's good bringing around. Thanks. I was I actually, I was engaged. Around. But you know, it's just the highs are fucking crazy high and crazy low. And it's just like, yeah. And, and there's not even money involved. That's, you know what I mean? That's how. That's why. That's why I honestly believe that we must. I know it's funny to bitch and complain about it and be like, "Oh, I didn't get this." And like you're talking about playing golf with your friend, like <clears throat> that's pretty much the conversations that me and Brian have. It's just how fucked up everything is. At the same time, there's not a lot of money involved for people like us, and the fact that we continue to do this day in and day out means that we must fucking love it no matter how much we make fun. It's like your little brother, or maybe not your little brother, but like my little brother. Like, I can make fun of him all I want, but if like an outsider tries to make fun of him, like, hey, dude, I don't know you. Get the fuck out of here. You can't make fun of my brother. So it's like, we can shit on this business. I feel like anybody involved in entertainment can, knows how bad it can be, and they can take a dump on it all day long. But at the same time, we're all still here, and we're all can still Can I ask you a question, it. though? Do you love it, or are you <clears throat> so far in... You can't even get out. Like you that's, can't get out. That's now. a good point. You have to figure it away because I, for me, the nostalgia. I mean, there are, t- of course, you go up on stage and have a great set. Or if I haven't done stand up in a while and I get up, I'm like, holy shit, yeah, this is amazing. Like touching people and manipulating them to laugh and feel good is crazy. And having a good meeting or having a good audition or booking something, but at the same time, it's like you have to. Right, but there also, I, I see what you're saying, but th- in my head, there's never, it's never too late. If you don't like what you're doing, it is never fucking too late in life to just go, I, I'm, I'm done with that. I'm out. Yeah. You know I, what I mean? I think I you're really, right. I mean, I think you're right. I think if, if, you're, if you're looking at it for something like, well, I mean, because like, I, I say that a lot, like, well, what else would I do? If I quit all this shit right now, what else would I do? I have nothing. I don't. I, oh, I have like seven I have no things. skills. I have. But no. <laughs> That's but, why it's so. T- I torn so much. See, but no, no. I'd have to go to get a temp job in an office. Like I have a degree in English literature. Like what am I going yeah, to do with that? Like to read to people. You can't get paid to do that shit. Yeah. <laughs> not a lot, anyway. I mean, you can read to the blind, but it's not going to fucking pay a lot. Sorry, and yeah. all the blind people can read now, anyway. They're you very marry advanced. up. That's what you do. You marry up. Yeah. Right. And but up. I'm just saying, like I. I Yes, it gets to you, and yeah, it's a grind, it's a pain in the ass, and it's shallow sometimes and super 
ego. You know, crushing, every but... every business is shallow. I, the, yeah. that whole thing about people saying thing. Hollywood is like cutthroat no. and everyone. It's like uh, it no, it's fucking any company anywhere. Fucking Walmart doesn't matter. Yeah. It's Dude, all the same personality type. Somebody's always trying to backstab you no matter where you are. Yeah, someone's, someone's always crush- mad. Sheila over on Register 3 yeah. is being a cunt. Somebody's always trying to fucking crush your dreams. I mean, that's like, Reg that doesn't three? matter. What? Reg 3? Reg 3, sorry. I <laughs> pronounced the whole word. Thank you for coming in. Great to be here. Uh, yeah, I hope that was a lot okay. Of fun. A lot yeah, of fun. all right, good, good. It was a moment where I thought we were getting too serious, you know, about violence and we we're all going to cry, but I think in the end. Yeah, you know, I did Aisha. Tyler's podcast and we got mad serious like mad serious people like hit us up like I was crying twice in that episode so I think I think you know people that find humor also like to sometimes be like oh you can get real with us I, I honestly there's nothing wrong with being real at all I heard some of your uh, iTunes reviews and most people said it's not that funny anyway anyway so yeah. like you know is that uh, true there's iTunes reviews are <laughs> no, there not no there's no iTunes I don't think anyone's going to take the time to review this we show we don't encourage reviews That's- um where I'm, did, do you still have the show on with Sean Patton? No. Oh, okay. Sorry. It's okay. I like tried to bring it up twice, and everyone acted like it didn't no, exist. You know what? And I was like, like, "Isn't that something we might want to promote?" They were talking about like trying to do a third season, and like the production well, you, company. What, we should explain the show that you're talking about, just so it's yeah. It was like, I co-hosted a drinking show called Best Bars in America on Esquire Network. Okay. A lot of fun. which is we why I pointed seasons. out earlier. He's like, "I don't like going to bars and just standing around." He's right. Like, so you hosted a whole. show. I mean, on. I love going in and talking to bartenders. <clears throat> yeah. I love it. I love yeah. being with people when there's a purpose. Did you like traveling and, and I'm all getting that paid. Yeah. You and you traveled and you like doing all. I like it, but I don't want to be away from my family. You know, I definitely don't want to be. And you put on weight and you drink a lot i'm yeah. currently trying to lose weight not yeah. put on weight it's on the road it's so fucking hard yeah so <clears throat> yeah you got right. two kids man it's time to grow up dude Thanks. so listen to his uh podcast with ryan sickler the yeah, crab, crab, crab feast yep and then uh 170 deep right you yeah. said 170 yeah, deep yeah. Be, there, be there for the 200 everybody be there for the 200 oh where else can they find you jlarsoncomedy.com jlarsoncomedy on facebook twitter instagram pinterest and well, what's your like home address so they can come over <laughs> He's looking for one right now. He doesn't have it's a permanent 3869. All I'm saying is this. If you're looking for a place to live, just and John knows this, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. You can't come here. If you if you move into this neighborhood, just know. Oh. You do know the PTA president. Okay. So things Boom. Which your wife does that? No. You're looking at him. I know. No. <laughs> yeah. They don't make the men can do stuff now too. It's not it's we're it's two thousand fifteen, Jay. I know. Just not just ladies at the PTA. It's Erwin in a tie and a suit coat with his boxes on drinking coffee. Yeah, PTA doesn't stand for pussy tits and ass anymore. No more, huh? They changed. Nope, it stands for. It, wait, it doesn't. Stands for. Oh, uh, parent teacher association. Parent. Per, yes. Parental. Theatrical. All right. Well, that was great, everybody. Good show, yeah, everyone. Good. We like to end on a fucking. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Hollywood Anonymous. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hollywood Anani. That is short for Hollywood Anonymous. You can also follow John individually at John Huck and myself, Brian Irwin, at Brian Irwin on Twitter as well. Both of us can be found on Facebook. You can also Google us and contact us directly, HollywoodAnonymousGuys at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe 